Hello everyone and welcome to the Two Havens Roll podcast. My name is Oliver. Today Robin and I chatted with Matt Pennington. Matt is the Managing Director of Profound Decisions. Profound Decisions is a professional live role-playing game company. Matt is a LARPer, he's a LARP game system writer. He's also the one responsible for the Empire LARP game that Robin and I have spoke about at length on this show. If you are watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe, that helps the algorithm. If you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, leave us a nice review, that will help other people find us. If you need to get a hold of us, then you can do so through to have to roll at gmail.com. The contact details will be in the description of the show. With that out of the way, let's get into the conversation with Matt. time right Matt how did you get into uh making making LARP games is it uh, designing LARP games is that the is that the right term for it yeah making designing running um there isn't yes there's probably the uh, I don't know the Scandinavians probably got a specific verb for it I don't uh how did I get into it um years and years and years ago I joined our local club and the guys ran it for two sessions and then oh, it was a little more than two sessions. It was half a dozen sessions. And then they said, oh, we're quitting now. You're in charge. Uh, so that was a bit of the baptism of fire, really. Oh, so it's um, like, it was really like a, a dungeon master becoming the forever DM type thing, is it? There was an element of that. Yes, definitely. Um, and then I just started getting into sort of national events because um, I was running a local club. But I got really into the kind of big uh, kind of national events that were taking place uh-huh. and then politics happened as it sometimes does in live role playing and i wasn't <laughs> involved in the national events anymore okay. so a group of me and uh, sort of me and my friends said oh let's set our own game up mm-hmm. uh, and it really all took off from there and for yeah. sort of five years we ran it as a hobby and it just mm-hmm. kept getting bigger and bigger and i thought ah oh, i can't carry on doing this as a hobby i've either got to drop my hobby or drop my job uh, so I figured I would drop my job, and uh, so I, we kind of finished the game we were running, and then I started up again as a as a full time job, and that was two thousand and four. Wow, wow. <laughs> I, I love it. I, lo- I love that though. I love that entrepreneur- entrepreneurial spirit. So, what one thing I'm curious about is that, like, how because obviously your your scale on people call them fest laps, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is the scale? Because if you are doing it full time. You need to make a profit, right? So, what do you have to scale up big in LARP to to actually make it profitable? Uh, that's an interesting question. Mm. Um, hmm. I think you do. I mean, that would be yeah. my answer. But then everybody, but the people who run for a profit who don't say who don't run large LARPs would tell me I'm wrong um you know some friends of I've got friends of mine who run games and my and I don't get into it with them because that mm-hmm. you know that would be their business not mine but mm-hmm. my understanding is they do it for a living and I think they run sort of 30 40 50 person games but they run a lot of games very frequently um and I think they keep their overheads very low and so forth so there are models where you can make LARP work for for less people um but i don't understand the economics and every time i look at it i think how on earth does that work that seems mad um equally i've got some friends who are running a kind of uh, half a dozen game they're running that the same game sort of two or three times yes and that's like five 
500 pound a time in a mm -hmm. stately home so you can run sort of deluxe larp and in theory make a profit yeah. but i gotta tell you if you want it to in from my from where i look at it every mm -hmm. time i look at it the only business model that works is kind of thousands of people mass participation i don't really understand how they make the business model work surely it's it's a an accessibility issue as well because yeah you you, you can make a larp for 40 people but then obviously you have to 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 you know make the make the profit you're gonna to have to charge a certain amount to give those small amount of people an experience whereas you whereas you make something accessible to as many people as you can you can lower the cost of Anything, yeah really. i think disney are doing what from what the review i've read of it basically is a star wars larp i think it might even be a weekend long and it's Wait. either ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars for the weekend what? it's one of the two yeah. um it's wow. a pretty reading it it's a pretty crap larp yeah um you know if if you were like running it as a larp you'd be like mm, this is pretty thin gruel um yeah you know it's very very let's call it old school the plot mm -hmm. sort of turns up and goes i am the plot and everybody stands around and watches it and then it goes away again you know? oh, okay, yeah. do, do you think larp is not yet a a very well-defined medium in the way that what what is a larp game and what isn't because i don't I have no idea on that that's the first i've heard of it as star wars larp but i can't imagine disney being like doing the thing doing the way you do it and be like oh here's some plot now you make the game yourself i imagine they want a lot of control absolutely i mean i didn't see it myself but my understanding is that when they were advertising for jobs for that they were saying things like lrp experience required oh so really? you know yeah so it's not true that this hobby sort of lacks definition anymore if you'd asked yeah. 30 years ago you'd be like yeah everybody's got different definition of live role play but actually it's a medium just like tv or film or theater mm -hmm. uh lots of people doing very different things with it but i think people have a good idea of what it is these days or a lot better idea and certainly within the commercial world they have a lot better idea of what it is mm -hmm. um we you know i'm under an nda so i can't really talk about it but we went and spoke to a big computer game company that were looking to create a massive kind of online role-playing game and they wanted to bring us in to, to talk about what we did and how we do it because they understood larp they understood the relevance mm -hmm. you know they got they, they understood why what we did would be relevant and of interest to their programmers and game designers yeah. so I, I think it's not true that kind of everybody's running around going what what even is larp yeah because so, surely smart people know <laughs> well surely i mean the thing that comes to my mind for what we want to get from larpers would be immersion right because that's what larp seems to be offering isn't it to something like a computer game which are always they're always trying to be like how do we make this more immersive and sandboxy that would certainly be my argument i gave a talk actually just before we released empire talking about that drive for immersion and my argument is that there's a convergence between live role playing as an entertainment form and get mediums like computer games like film and and the conversion that the, the the thing that, that, that they all have in common is immersion they're all trying to create immersion that's why we have special effects industries that's why we have you know other increasing graphics cards because mm -hmm. people want the experience to be more immersive mm -hmm. but i think the moment you say that if you're going to talk in live role-playing terms people will immediately say well there are games that have got no interest in immersion that's not what they're trying to provide oh, really? okay you know right. um and and because it's a medium it's you know people can do a lot of different things with live role playing uh, which i think is you know is, is amazing I'm, I'm not i'm not critiquing in any way i think it, in fact, i think that 
um, that plurality is really exciting and I think it helps make it a much more kind of uh, interesting thing to work in basically yeah so I mean it, it's it sounds like that'll be good for uh, it's, it, yeah it sounds like it'll be good because the market won't will cater for those different things then so say if you want empire well, to be that's a different statement you said the market will cater for it i think right, the market okay. wants immersion market wants immersion uh, yeah you know uh, they make all kinds of different films but if you want to yeah. make a blockbuster at the moment it's got to have superheroes in it shooting and it's got to have a crossover it's got <laughs> exactly. to have a multi yeah yeah you know uh, the market wants what the market wants and i think the market wants immersion but I think you can do artistic things that aren't necessarily highly marketable uh, and they're valid because they're artistic or they're, you know, exploratory or whatever. You, it, so the, the, the validity is not its marketability. If, but if you want to market LARP, I would strongly suggest you start with immersion. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's where the core appeal is. So um, is, is I mean, that... it was the main appeal to, to us, wasn't it? That sort of the idea that you could be immersed into this other world and escape everything else. That's the, the thing that personally definitely attracted us towards it. Well, yeah, definitely. Because we, we've been into video games. That I, 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 want, I want to get your opinion on this because we, like, we came in through like, cosplay and D D, and yep. we were just like oh this larp uh, you know I, i'd always always kind of looked at larp knew it was around but then i kind of thought oh what, cosplay and and D D. there's some people get quite they don't like the comparisons sometimes between uh D D being just a, a sorry larp just being a real life D D experience I'm really excited about the fact we've got a lot more cosplayers coming into live role playing. I think it's I think it's great for the hobby. I mm. think again they bring a really unusual kind of take on it. But I do think it doesn't surprise me that you would say we looked at it and it just looked like a mix of cosplay and D and D because yeah, that's not an unfair description, is it? You <laughs> I know? don't think it is. <laughs> it's it's like we're going to dress it, up in costumes and yeah, yeah. yeah. But then it's like it's like we're like oh we can actually we can do that we do the cosplay thing but we can also which is only like short stints of kind of role plays barely any role playing cosplay unless you're doing the uh, skits on stage and things like that and sometimes you do a little bit of role play when you're walking around the, um, yeah. the convention centers yeah. and then D and D you're like you're all sat at a table and you're pretending to be in a fantasy world so the immersion <laughs> definitely for us was like oh we get to we get to play in that in that in that fantasy world. Yeah, and that's. I think it's. It's a. I think it's a big appeal. You know what you what you experienced when you looked at it. Thought this looks. You know, and I think the fact the visuals. If you looked at LARP thirty years ago, I've got to tell you the visuals did not look great. You know, we're all running around dressed in mum's curtains with the hole cut in the middle, and you know it it looked pretty ropey. And so from the outside, you're like, is this immersive? No. When you're playing and it's all in your head, it looks. Yeah. You know, you, you, you're transported there, and it's fine. In the same way that we can all play tabletop, and and it works. Yeah. but but now the visuals and the standards and everything are so much higher that that people from cosplay or you know other backgrounds will look at it and go that looks great yeah. i want to be there yeah um and that's why i'm excited that you know people are coming in from those backgrounds because i think it, it shows we're hitting that level of visual immersion yeah. that people look at it and can imagine themselves being there imagine themselves being in that world and think yeah i want to do that yeah because that's the that's the difficult thing so so one of the biggest um the biggest hurdles, I know you, you you guys have a policy is like the no filming thing. And a lot of people say that it doesn't, it doesn't, tra it doesn't translate LARP. I mean, doesn't translate great to, to camera. Is that, is that a hurdle that you've come up against like marketing the actual game itself being like, well, we, we don't want to be filming people, but 
also films a pretty good medium for people looking going oh yeah i fancy yeah. that i mean again traditionally lot used to look bloody awful on film um you know we're not actors and the thing about the camera is in my opinion it exposes the flaws very very strongly you know the the coffee cup left in the scene in game of thrones everyone notices nobody noticed at the time you think how can you know how can you have missed that but but actually what the camera does is it pulls the the flaws into very sharp focus we're not actors we um and are a lot and we say some pretty ropey lines because it's none of this is scripted yeah and i think there was you know traditionally often when you put larp on film it's looked quite bad now you can make it look great um and we've done that a couple of times. We've done promotional films. We did one for other games. Yeah. And we, what we would do is we would get sort of uh, amateur or semi-professional actors, give us some dialogue, and then pretend it was LARP. Uh, and if you know, if, if you, then you look at it, and LARPers go, "Yeah, that's how my hobby looks." And I think you wish, you wish that's how your hobby. <laughs> looks. Hey, in our head, that's exactly how it looks. Okay, fear the mind. Wonderful. Exactly though. The flaws that were then still visible is you think in your head, you think, yeah, that's how it looks when I'm LARPing. You've got to take it to that level to yeah. make it look to the point where you think, yeah, that's how it looks. Whereas if you just film LARP, you're all a bit like, mm, yeah. yeah. And, and people, um, yeah, people so, look for a specific experience as well, don't they? So like, and it's, it's, it's difficult to be like, oh, if you come to LARP, this is exactly what you're going to get. Quite. But ultimately, to me, it's more about privacy. We don't film because we just yeah. want to respect people's privacy. And there's no doubt, I look at it and think, mm, you know, could we get a lot more players if we film this right and put it on YouTube? Quite possibly. Uh, and we've gone down that road once or twice and, and kept getting burned. You know, Unilad, we're going to do Unilad. Uni yes, oh, yeah. Unilad, the, yeah we're going to yeah. do a big thing on us. And then really? they went bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. They came down and filmed it all. And, and they sent me, uh, I, I saw, I'm not supposed to say, but I did see the trailer they shot for it. And uh -huh. it was amazing. Oh. It was oh. just oh. stunning. I mean, if you think it looks appealing, they made it look jaw dropping. They yeah. just made it oh, look wow. like absolutely like, oh my God, I want to go. Uh, so we were pretty excited how that was going to look when it came out. And yeah. then they, they got bought out by how... the uni something else and got shut yeah. down. How long ago was that that they were doing? <sighs> that was about three, four years ago. Oh, I so it was know. before COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Because Unilad don't exist now. They got bought by uni. Boy or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's load of them. Is like Lad Bible. Lad Bible. Like that. That's oh, is that yes. the one? Yeah, yeah. Be it, yeah. yeah. Lad yeah, Bible they... bought Uni Lad and mm -hmm. basically shut the project down. Yeah. Um. And so that was that. Um. And the, but the point is, we had to go through a whole load of effort to say to everyone, right, we're going to be filming. We're going to be filming here and at this time and do this. Yeah. And if you don't want to be filmed, don't, you know, there's a massive amount of effort and all yeah. for nothing. And you yeah. just think, ah, oh, come on, what's the point? Yeah. Um, one of the best things about the game for us is that there is no there is no filming and uh, what we like what we personally like about it is going off and not feeling like you have to have your technology with you that and and yeah being part just being totally yeah immersed and in that even though we, we like to make content you know it's it's yeah. it's not one it's not something it's... that I, I look at it from like i try and put myself in like your shoes and go oh yeah you know what would i do if i was running running this i'd be like i'd want film on it but as a player i'm like i don't i don't want film anywhere near anywhere near my game it is such a strange feeling really isn't it like being at an event such as such, such as larp and putting your phone off and putting it in the tent and just 
going away and leaving it is something that you never do during the day that that in itself really does help with that immersion immersion and yeah I totally agree like having people filming I think it'd be a little bit like oh I, I wouldn't be as organic with what I was role-playing because I'd be conscious that somebody's recording what I'm saying <laughs> yeah it's it would be intrusive and I think you know, we looked at it, we looked at it once as a one-off and we tried it and, you know, and that, that failed. But I, I just, we ban it generically because I just think I'd rather give the players we've got a great time than be chasing more players all the time. And I, I think if you, yeah, basically, I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's about serving the players you've got rather than mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. chasing YouTube views, I think. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that's the thing. So like, because growth is obviously a thing that, you got to you want growth but you don't want <laughs> you, you don't want an absolute explosion of growth either you know and sometimes and people can then be despot i think this is what happened in dnd so people watched filmed dnd actual plays and they went oh i want to do that i want to play it. and then they actually went and did the experience and it wasn't anything like it was when they watched it on youtube and they're like go getting together with a load of random people that aren't professional actors and they then like, oh, this is terrible. And then they're straight on Reddit going, this is the worst thing ever. Don't watch this show because it's not real. You know, do, do you ever get worried about things like that, you know, for, for rapid expansion? I, I mean, I'm always worried about the experience of new players um, because I think it is, first of all, you can't explain LARP. I, you, you can explain it and explain it and explain it, explain it. You can spend a thousand hours, but it isn't worth two minutes of being in the field, yeah. being in a character and interacting with someone. You, you will learn more yeah. in that two minutes than you will learn in a thousand hours talking to me. None of it makes any sense when someone's explaining it. It's just like, you sort of think you get it and there's some rules and you know you're going to get a character, but it doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't... Uh, so I, I, I'm always worried about the new player experiences because I think you're stepping into that world for the first time and, you know, it, it's off-putting and disorientating and, you know, particularly, it's all right for me, I am super, super confident, but if you're not super confident, you're like, what is going on? All these people seem to know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, we always worry about the new player experience and it's why we try and put so much effort into sort of doing what we can to support it. Um, but again, in a way, you can't show someone how to LARP. You can't LARP for them. They just, you <laughs> throw them it. in the pool and they either swim or they sink. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, we try and get everyone armbands. That's, that's really all we can do. Yeah. Um, also, because you, you're doing it at such a scale as well that you can't, you can't micro, you can't hold everyone's hand, can you? Yeah. Whereas, I don't know, we've not been to a smaller LARP. Because uh, so, obviously, so when you started running these games, what what was the? Did you find it easier easing new people in when you had more control of oh, there's forty people, or is it just the same with two thousand people? I, in some ways, it's just the same. I mean, I, I sometimes say big games are just small games with more players at them. You know, some things don't really change. Mm -hmm. um, it's you, it, once you're running a game and doing anything involved with it, it's so hard to reach out to an individual player and change the experience they're having. Mm. Um, it's yeah. a bit like it's a bit like putting a play on and thinking mm, that person in the third row isn't really enjoying this play. What uh, should I do? Uh, right. uh, jazz okay. it up a bit. I, you, you, it's almost too late. You yeah. know, if they came into the wrong play and this isn't their thing, it's almost too late. 
I, 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 and now that's not completely true. And I, you know, I have seen good game organizers find ways to reach out to players and bring them into games. And again, mm -hmm. we have things like egregores whose job is to go find people and go, oh, you, oh, well, how about this? Could yeah. you do this? You know, so you, you can pre-build mechanisms. Um, but even with 10 players, it's remarkably difficult, I think, to actually yeah. just, you know, yeah. I bet I it's mean, even think... worse with 10 players because you're just like, you, you're very conscious that it's like sitting around a D&D table and then you've got like five players, there's one person not uh, being invested. And then you're like, how do, I, how do I drag this? But if you've got thousands of people, you're just like, hey, it might not be your thing, you know, but we can cater for the majority. I, I, and you kind of that's exactly the example I was going to use imagine you put you're, you're a dm and you've got five players and you think one player's really not enjoying this it's pretty hard to change direction middle yeah. of the game maybe you can do it maybe you're a really good dm but it's easier often to chat to them afterwards go oh, what wasn't working okay and and you, so you try and talk to people and 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 create new lines and stuff but the thing especially with new players is live role playing is not for everyone a whole bunch of people are going to try and go this is shit you know, just the experience will do nothing for them. Yeah. Um, my, my, my partner doesn't LARP. The thought of LARPing is as appealing oh, as really? having a face sandpapered off. It's just <laughs> like, just does not appeal on any level. She's painfully shy. And the idea that you just wander around and talk to people is literally her idea of hell. Yeah. yeah. So some people will never enjoy LARP. Yeah. But what you're trying to do is, is, get as many people as possible in that kind of first weekend a good game yeah um, but yeah, yeah, yeah give them a good experience yeah yeah but it is terrifying it's genuinely terrifying the first event this year uh with first one back after the pandemic we had 600 new players and i was just like mind blown it's like yeah. oh my god what if they don't enjoy it what if they what if there's just a block of 500 people wandering around going what's going on don't yeah what it. is what is this <laughs> Yeah, because we, we, seem, we seem to be talking, like, especially having people, like, just talk, making friends, having people on this podcast, we seem to have, talk. there seem to be two people in, in two separate groups. There's the people that have been laughing for a long time and came into it through, like, uni clubs and school and things like that. And then there's the group that we're in, the ones that, through lockdown, were playing tons of D&D &D and we wanted to get on about and we're, like, trolling the internet and we all stumbled across, oh, this LARP thing looks really good oh what's this oh there's a game called empire oh that's great and then we had like a year to like psych ourselves up to to come into larp you know yep. do, do, do you think do, do you think covid actually slowed you down or do you think it actually <laughs> actually accelerated your growth <laughs> well it didn't do much for our games in 2020 or 2021 that's no. for sure no. um <laughs> I mean, COVID definitely slowed us down. Uh, I mean, it, it damn near ran us over is what it did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a lot you know, of people. We yeah. genuinely didn't know if we, we were still running. Going to come um, back. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's quite possible. We go, hey, we're back, everyone, putting an event on and no one would turn up. Yeah. I didn't know. Um, it definitely slowed us down, but it did seem to build up ahead of steam. I mean, I, I, this year's growth was just mind boggling. You know, in a normal year, we would grow five or 10%. We grew 35% in a single year, which is yeah. just insane. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think, I think that that is a lot of dammed up 
uh, pressure and of interest and appeal. And, you know, people over the pandemic going, oh, yeah, I'm really going to go this. Which one am I going to go? Oh, I've got the June one or I'll go to the July one. If you're keen and you've got the bug for LARP, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go to them all. Once you're in, you're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, your baseline is you're going to go to them all. But of course, if you've never tried it before, why wouldn't you start with one of the summer events? You, you, yeah. you don't perceive that that you want to start the start and just kind of work. You, yeah. know, you assume it's just like an event you might go to and enjoy. And that would be a one off thing. Um, so I think we saw this massive sweep all the way through the year mm-hmm. where um, people were coming into the game. And I assume that will not continue next year. I don't, I don't assume. know. <laughs> I assume. I assume. I want to. Go, I want to go back and talk a bit more about like the inception of like Empire itself. Because you talked about like immersion and how that's kind of what you yourself were like aiming for. Is 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 Empire the is Empire like your magnum opus like final form of what you wanted to do and all your previous games you've uh you, you've tried stuff then gone no tried more stuff and then is, is empire close or thereabouts to what you always wanted to build every larp game you run is fixing the previous one in my experience yeah uh often overreacting and over course correcting to the previous game and its flaws um there are still some parts of empire now that i think are overreactions to our previous games mm-hmm. but yeah um I've run or been involved, heavily involved in the running of kind of four significant games and each one has built on the last one. But what happened with the previous games, what's quite normal in LARP is you create a game, you get it up and running and it runs for a while. And over time, the flaws of the game become more and more obvious and the bits that weren't really quite right in the design process, you think, oh, well, that's not right. And so you do what tabletop companies have done for 30 years. You go, oh, six seven eight years later new version you know scrap that game start again we'll do a different game we've tried to do something very different with empire um and i could explain why but but essentially it's a bit of the dnd one model it's like let's make a living thing and if a piece of it's not right we'll take it out redesign it put it back in and Players always complain when we change something uh, because no one likes change. And I get it. You know, it is disruptive. But my view is that by continuously redesigning the game we're playing as an ongoing process, it will stay fresh for a very long time. And it crucially, yeah. it will be the best game I can run. I've yeah. always said I'll stop running Empire at the point where either players aren't interested it's not making money or it's no longer the best game I can run. If I thought I could run a better game than Empire, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I? Yeah, stop? why wouldn't you? Why yeah. wouldn't you do that? <laughs> you just so, um, yeah, you know, but, but, but yes, we've tried very proactively not to do that with Empire and instead build it a kind of process for constantly so you you do actually want longevity it for empire that's one of your main goals rather yeah yeah. because this is something i I really i couldn't get my head around coming in from like tabletop games and video games and dnd like we're saying the two there was two schools of larpers that we've been talking to and when we've been like oh yeah you know empires like uh been going for a while uh, like been not been going for very long and they're like oh yeah what would you consider a long running LARP. Oh yeah, you know, well they blew up the last system and oh yeah, well it's not gonna last forever. And I'm just like, 
what? And they were like, why can't it last forever? And, <laughs> but it's it's like it's it's weird seeing like some people that are really invested in this world and they've got these characters and things like that, and you have one crowd that are just like, oh well, you know that's lot, you know the game will just disappear. And I really struggle to get my head around it because I mean I, I don't think it will because if you if you build a, a a setting a world where people that people really love that you it's difficult to kill it do you ever think about that because if you were like oh we're we're changing it the setting that you've made if, if that many thousands of people are invested in it it might carry on in some in some the aspect very first game we i was involved heavily involved in sort of designing and putting together and running um had a big sort of story arc with a sort of terrible disease and a thing and a thing and a thing and to cut a long story short, after five years, our refs went round and handed out a piece of paper to 60% of the characters on site. And the piece of paper said, your character goes mad. You attack the nearest people. And when you stop attacking them, you die. And that was the final moment of that game. It had, you know, basically it had all come to a head. A terrible disease had driven everyone mad in a sort of uh -huh. 28 days later attack of the zombies. And everyone died. Rocks fall, everyone died. So do I find it difficult to end games? No, I, I, yeah. I think I think it's wonderful when they end. I think it's mm -hmm. great. I think it's, you know, I think, you know, it's, yeah, I, I don't find it difficult. I've done it yeah. two or three times. I've never found it difficult. I find it um, very freeing and very kind of, um yeah because yeah, well, yeah stories need an end do you, do you think stories though, need an end do you, yeah. do you but, think though with these with these two because there's the things get so popular that like like say a good example like so like the the war like the warhammer fantasy setting right it like they, they went right this the, the, ta the tabletop's not making money anymore let's get rid of it and the thing won't die like because people are still writing stories and making games and and people love that setting so much you know, because at, at this point you're—I like, I, don't—I I don't know. Uh, I haven't actually looked into your other settings on on this aspect, oh. but 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 people have got, obviously like written. Uh, you know, they've produced and written songs in your in your in your setting. They've got they've 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 made actual physical costumes that are dedicated to your your world. They've written books. They've done all sorts. You know, and if you like, then just blow it up. It that that stuff's still there. You know. Yeah, you're right. Um, no, and that's a fair point. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess I would never think of our game in the same sort of popularity level as something like Warhammer Fantasy Battle or, or whatever, but mm -hmm. it, it's a sliding scale, isn't it? Uh, you know, the game I'm talking about had 500 players at it. Yeah. You know, it was tiny compared to what we do now. Yeah. And actually, there is something strange about Big LARP. It's like a, a mass psychosis that the more people who are involved in it, the more effort everyone is putting in and the more it, it creates this community and yeah. culture that self-sustains it. So you're right. Yeah. There would be a level where we could blow up the game one day and everyone would go, yeah, that's nice, Matt. See ya. We're still playing this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or you would have just a big, know. like, what? The, yeah, because I mean, I, I imagine in that game, in the, so what was that game called that you... That you... The first one we blew up was called uh, was Phoenix Phoenix Lark. Phoenix, yeah. So did, did, was was that a little bit part of the setting as well? Did the did you did all the players kind of think, oh yeah, this is kind of how it's the game is going to go, and we're expecting it to end, or was it a quite a shock for them? I, I think the player that pulled the trigger and did it, I think they knew it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, there were half a dozen players with them who had 
a fairly good idea this is what the outcome may be. And a load of players afterwards were like, we knew you were up to something. Um, <laughs> so it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bolt out of the blue. It was all, you know, it was a kind of twist in the tail ending and everyone was like, ah, yeah. we, we'd have got away with it if it went through pesky lawmasters kind of thing. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was very much it was a story that we'd written that was a piece of plot that was, you know, as you might, if you were a DM at a table yeah. that yeah. was kind of unfolding over a period of time, empire is very, very different in that respect. Yeah. You yeah. know, anyone who's looked at the game in any detail will realize there's no story. We haven't yeah. got, we're not, you know, there isn't, it isn't going anywhere. It is, you know, I, the, the example I use to people is it's a soap opera. It's yeah. like Emmerdale. It's not going anywhere. There are stories happening within the world yeah. that are going somewhere, but the whole thing is just continuing and living and breathing. Yeah, because that's what yeah. it feels like to me. That, but that's what that's what I meant by I couldn't wrap my head around. Because some some of the I want to call them veteran laughers. People have been laughing a while and are used to games just coming and going. Are just like, oh yeah, well I can't wait. You know, I wonder what they're going to do after Empire. And I'm just like. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like they they're just gonna you know hand out cards because that's what I mean like handing out cards and being like okay you're all you're all you're gone all mad. I mean that would be. I mean, I, I would wonder what the player the the player reaction would be if you kind of just did that at Empire with like right in the middle of the year and everyone was like wait what <laughs> wait, what I'm this, crying I think this is my holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't We're all very emotional in that game. A lot of crying. <laughs> I'm crying. Yeah. Um, you don't want it to come as a surprise, you know, you want that to, you want it to come as a dramatic conclusion, not mm -hmm. as a kind of bolt out of the blue. Yeah. Um, it amuses me, and I suppose it's a consequence of my reputation. Like I say, I've done this a couple of times, blown up worlds and ending mm -hmm. games and gone. And, uh, and so now when I tell people, yeah, I haven't got any intention of doing that with Empire, this game's here to last, people go, yeah, we know what you're up to, Matt. We know, <laughs> you, yeah. you've never run a game more than 10 years. It's all right. Well, this time's different. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, it doesn't feel. And uh, maybe it's a little bit personal because I do tend to get attached to things. I get attached to my characters. I get attached to I get attached to everything. But some people are just like, oh yeah, on the next thing I want to try, I want to try this. But it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's it's built to just end. You know, because it's, it's, it's especially like you know you're, you're building the popularity and these these uh, yeah these that like I said you go on you go on SoundCloud now and there's just like you know a, a long oh, yeah. list of uh songs that people have have written and performed <laughs> about your world and about your nations and about your setting <laughs> you know? yeah. it does, so it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's built to just disappear overnight and there, there are people playing you know dnd like just like in your setting as well you know and it's just like that this every week they're going off to they're going off and playing an empire you know yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting because obviously we don't copyright any of the setting um so if we just were like yeah we're done now we're gonna do something different you know would somebody go yeah fine we'll run it then screw you pennington yeah um, <laughs> well this is yeah, yeah this is the thing so what so in that vein then like it, obviously you could end the game would you ever consider doing like a like an empire second edition type thing where it's just like oh it's the same setting but it's it, well, it's I, in this I, different I, part of the world or a different time period or something There'd be no reason to do that. Um, yeah. I, I think if you're going to... Well, firstly, part of the joy of running LARPs is creating. You know, it, it'd be like running a D&D tabletop game for years with your friends and anyone going, yeah, we really love that game. It's great. Going, oh, I'll run it again then. You'd be like, well, you could run a different game. You know, that would be good too. Um, I, 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 
yeah, no, I, there was, I like I say, we, we no intention of bringing Empire to an end. We deliberately redesign it all the yeah. time so that we never get into a head state where we're like, you know what, we could run a better game than this. We're deliberately avoiding that. But if we did, if we were ever suddenly in a situation where I just realized one day I could run a much better game, I'd stop, end the yeah. game, write mm -hmm. a new one and run that one. Um, yeah. I, I don't I, I don't know why anyone would want to I, mm. I think creatively artistically people would go that's pretty bankrupt to just go oh Empire Mark 2 I think people would be like come on Matt yeah, what's, you could do yeah. that what was the yeah. point in ending what yeah what was the point yeah it would, it would have to well, what was the point of ending yeah 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 <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I know you said oh you you did um uh, you know promotional stuff before you released Empire but I think obviously at this stage I imagine if you were to be like right I've got this idea for a bet it's going to be a better game I'm assuming you would, you know, it would be a whole thing like, you know, like Wizards of the Coast are doing now with D&D. I'll keep mentioning D&D, &D, but it's, it's a good, it's, it's a good comparison. <laughs> like they're going, oh yeah, the new edition is coming, but we're going to start building the new edition like a good year and a half to make sure everyone's ready to jump from this ship to that ship uh, when the time is right instead of just going, okay, well, this is ended now, you know. The first commercial game I ran was called Maelstrom. And we spent uh, £17,000 setting that up. And it took me basically five months to write with a whole team of people. And in five months, we, and in five months, we wrote the rules, created the website, yeah. built the booking system, built the setting, wrote and, and published it all and sent published copies out to everyone and then filmed a promotional trailer, printed it on CDs and sent it out to everyone in five months. It was a pretty hectic five months, i got to tell you. Yeah. Um, it, was, yeah, it was tough. Um, the second game we did was called Odyssey and we spent 18 months designing Odyssey uh, mm -hmm. and it cost us £50,000 to develop and launch mm -hmm. the game. Empire took us three years to design and was well over a hundred thousand pounds in terms of development costs, promotional costs, and everything. So, when I said earlier, there are reasons why I don't just think, "Ah, oh, fuck it, let's do another game." It's <laughs> yeah. like probably looking at four to five years of development work. Yeah. Um, is, and if it's and growing, I, you know, people are coming right to buy their tickets and, <laughs> and quite spend exactly. Their money. Yeah. Are people enjoying it? Is it making money? Is it the yeah. best game, LARP game I can run? If it yeah. meets those three criteria, I'm just going to keep doing it. And, and I love the game. Yeah. I'm yeah. really proud of it. You know, I think it's an amazing game. I, yeah, you you, know, you should be. Yeah, we, yeah. we love it. It's it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, taken, it's taken over in our lives. We literally started laughing this year and it's yeah. just like, ah, you know, we're, we're glad that we... we Welcome uh, to the madhouse. Yeah. Honestly, we just, we, we live and breathe it at this point. And if we're not actually working on something for a lot, we're talking about it and we're talking about what we're going to do next and we're anticipating what's going to happen next so we're sending in character mail to people it's just completely taken over our lives in the most wonderful way it is a wonderful game and a great system thank you yeah. I, I, I i can remember you know being in your shoes and playing games and being you know that kind of absorbed by them um and i i you know i, I think great games can do that they can absolutely oh yeah yeah it, yeah it's, it, it's funny when you're saying like oh yeah you know being a confident person and it's not for everyone but yeah i've got to admit we as our new play experience was great but when we first came into it we're pretty you know we're, we're pretty gregarious people and it was just it was just something else being like when time in was called and everyone just started doing all this stuff and we're like <laughs> I'm I'm usually the one coming up and saying hello to people. I'm like, oh, everyone's doing stuff. I don't know what to do. Uh, but it was actually like, because uh, you mentioned the egregores, we didn't know anything about egregores when that timing came. 
and it's only later we found out when we spoke to Maz and and she explained to us what the egregore's roles were. We understood that's that was what was happening. So our egregore came up to us who we didn't know was the egregore and was just oh yeah. Yeah, what's that? He came over and talked to us and um uh, yeah it, and it was just we were just eased into this into this fantasy world and it was great instead of having like a whole meeting of just like right i know you have the new player meetings but yeah, in yeah. role play not having someone like come over to you and be like oh yeah you could do this oh here's a quest here's a quest board go 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 do this go do that so that must be difficult not to do not to be like oh are these people having fun i'm gonna go give them let's make a load of stuff for them to do you know the how do you like ease into it i am eased into it for for Oliver was being there at the first ever event with no idea what's happening and being like yeah I'll head into the glory square and I'll sit and put myself forward for this role that I know nothing about and I'll sit and answer all these questions from all the lords <laughs> and he literally sat and did that and the egregore was there kind of like pushing us towards it and everything and was wonderful but that sort of that eased in experience was was pretty oh, that, I mean, that, yeah that, that's that, that's how <laughs> has how good because we, we went on purpose we went in red blind so like we got there and uh they were doing the the, the general election um for the hounds of glory and I, I didn't even know the names of the armies and they were just like, oh we need someone to run against the current general because no one like they were like oh just come and i'll give it a go and i'm just like cool i'm here i've come laughing i'll give it a go and i didn't know what <laughs> i didn't know what the virtues were i didn't know what the armies were and they were like oh what virtue do you do you and i'm just like uh, but i tell you what it was it's such a great learning experience and everyone in larp is is so because they want they want they want the interactions so yeah. it's not a it's it doesn't feel like a, oh yeah you don't know the but what are you even doing here it's just like oh yeah well i'll explain it to you and they want to explain it to you is that something you is that an important aspect of making a larp game making parts of the game for people to get involved in so they can share it with others um i mean there's so much to unpack there uh, obviously you desperately want a game where people want to role play with new players and want to mm -hmm. bring them into the to the game and into the to what's happening uh, and as you say it works in empire because people want the fundamentally what have they gone there for they've gone there to role play and so mm -hmm. new players are just more people to role play at yeah. uh, and so people are I, I think if you are new you think like oh all these people look busy and they probably don't want bothering and i might say the wrong thing and upset their game but actually that 95 percent of them are just really excited about having someone new to life role play with and where's your yeah. farmer what's your character now oh right blah, blah, blah. you know it's just another conversation and of course what is the point of role play it's just a role play that that is it's the end in itself so i think generally it works um I think it works well in Empire because it's set up to support that kind of approach. I think you can get situations in small games where it's very story focused and the mm -hmm. goal is to find out what the plot is and solve the plot. So and then <laughs> and win. Yeah. <laughs> Win's an odd word, but yeah. but but you know, sort of resolve the story. And then it, rather than being focused on each other, people could, can might be very focused on the story. Yeah. Uh, and then it can possibly, you can be a bit on the outside and think, you know, and people are interested in talking to you because they know you're not actually part of that story. You're just mm -hmm. a, another sort of onlooker to it. And so the, you can get situations where it doesn't work as well. And I think those sort of games need to have more mechanisms 
built in to to bring new players in and they do they're, yeah. they're, you know it's, it's a basically different styles of larp support different approaches i think is what i was saying but if you're building a good fest larp and it's so 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 important and i've seen i don't want to criticize but i've seen large games with lots of people that are really five player games of D run for two thousand people and in my opinion, that that structurally isn't well thought through and doesn't yeah. work as well as as you hopefully think. Realize it doesn't. Um, if you're going to put two thousand people in a field, you need millions of reasons why they would want to talk to each other. The game has to be based on the products of those conversations because otherwise they won't have reasons to talk to each other and then they won't talk to each other. And then the only thing that's happening is your plot or your story or whatever, which is fine if you're the DM and there's four players around the table because they've got your undivided attention. It's fucking useless if there's two, three thousand of them because, you know, my undivided attention is basically useless to you at an event. Yeah. It's just useless because yeah. it, it, it's 3,000 people. It doesn't so you, mean anything. So you've got to avoid it because you can't, you, like you say, it's, it's, it must be tricky to be like, okay, well, that, you know, like being, okay, yeah, being the empress or the emperor is, is plot, but you, you've got to be like, we can't just make it a king of the hill and just throw thousands of people in going, right, here's, you know, you can, be, you can be the empress, go. And that's like, that's the goal of the game, you know, and not have everyone be like, right, okay, this is, this is the end goal. You, it, how difficult is it to be like because one the one of the best things about your system is the is the nations and and having distinct distinct groups and then you've got groups within groups but what amazes me is that people cooperate was that was that was that why you decided not to do like pvp kind of thing is that why you decided to be like right you are an imperial you like that's it you can't you can't not very much so um again you're always correcting the previous game i've always run games where the politics is very pvp where players are ultimately competing with each other to become general or senator or emperor or what or empress or any of these things I generally avoid games with very heavy story elements and very heavy sort of PVM elements. Um, But we used to have a lot of PvP combat. We Mm -hmm. used to have, you are 20 opposing nations in a field. You all hate each other and all want to destroy each other. But for some strange reason, you've all turned up and going to chat this weekend. Uh, And actually, (laughs) as the years went by, we sort of would, try and run these games and the inherent contradictions in them just kept coming out it's like why aren't these people just killing each other why yeah. are, i mean why, yeah, why no are these yeah. it makes yeah. no sense it makes yeah. no sense and actually as you try and make the games more realistic and more credible mm-hmm. the inherent contradictions in them break up and, and, and just fall cause them to fall apart and so we um, we kind of we built some other games we did some other stuff and we looked at it and then we went you know what we've got this all wrong Mm-hmm. we've got this all we've got the entire design of what we're doing wrong yeah. players the number of people who like pvp combat is actually quite small because the problem with pvp combat is 50 percent of you end up dead yeah every single time and a lot, uh, of, lot of people end up unhappy as well like yeah, not having fun yeah. because they and lost you know yeah whereas pvp politics you can lose and just come straight back next week and have another go yeah. um and we thought actually what wait what appeals in our games is pvp politics and what people love is having a really good scrap against some monsters at the same time let's do a game (laughs) everyone's theoretically on the same side 
and there's some big scraps against monsters and then you know what's really going on is the politics of well where did the armies go which battle did we go on who sided with who how much effort did they put so you've got this you create an external threat um that you can go out and have a fight against another great great battle but actually the function of it is just to generate more of that subtle political tension and play um and and yes without a doubt it was absolutely deliberate that there would be an empire but it wouldn't be one homogenous uniform empire it would be oh but then there's 10 nations you've got your loyalty to your nation and you maybe favor one virtue over yeah. another virtue or you'll look you care about your group or maybe you care about your territory or your yeah. league city you know we wanted dozens of different competing loyalties because that's what people have in the real world yeah um and we wanted to play and pull on people's kind of emotions in different ways yeah that is an epic painting behind you Robin. My, my tapestry for Avatar. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we, we got that at um, Disney World when we went on a... Was it on a honeymoon when we went? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. on a honeymoon that we got that. Yeah. I took my... She was three years old at the time and we took her to Euro Disney. Uh-huh. Um, and I expected to loathe it. I thought, well, I'm taking you know my, my daughter here so that she will enjoy Disney because she was massive Mickey Mouse fan at the time. And you know I thought, I'll hate the crass commercialization and all the rest of it. And I was absolutely spellbound. I loved it. Not in a kind of I'm in Mickey's world, but just as a LARPer and a LARP game designer. I was like, oh, I love what you've done there. Oh, that's so clever. The set um their commitment to immersion um i don't yes. know if you it's just just second to none yeah. and basically as i was just going around rapturously appreciating their professionalism and the craft that with which they worked yeah. oh it's the um like... it's 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 really interesting how they do a lot of it as well i mean like um the pandora sort of section of disney world is talk about immersion like you are you are in pandora something else in it it was the because i looked into some of the research and how they hide all their buildings and it's two tones of paint that they use and right. it's go away green and something blue and you're and they actually are they become invisible to the eye when you're walking around so you don't notice yep. all the construction around the place because yeah. it draws your eye away from it i just think it's really clever <laughs> I, I can just remember like seeing a piece of litter fall on the ground and this guy just sort of appeared out of nowhere brushed it up and then just sort of silently disappeared no and he you know no one interacted with him he was just it was like and he stood in front of everyone but it's just like he was just invisible uh you know it got that ability to they clearly thought about everything he was wearing and yes. everything just to yeah. make him disappear and i was just like you know, it reminded me of like the Japanese no, is it the theatre where they have the guys in black that you know that you can't see and you can see them, but once your mind knows you're not supposed to see them, it just cheerfully erases them. It's, that's that's how I feel. It's like an empire with the refs and the photographers, um, and I know they're there. I don't see them unless oh, I well, need it's the recall, the ref. I don't it? see them. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's your recall when you do that memory recall of just like, oh, we were in this battle and this, that, the other. Your mind just like deletes the deletes the refs or deletes the the the, the toilet blocks or something like that. It just like it just gets rid of them. I, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> But but if you think about it, it's not surprising. My understanding of you know the human brain is it's processing absolutely 
inconceivable amounts of information all the time. And of course, what it's actually doing is filtering out 70, 80, 90% of it going, that's junk. I don't need that. I'm going to focus on this piece. This is the piece the conscious brain needs to focus. So your brain is constantly filtering information. Our job as, as you know, Disney's job or our job as a GLARP mm. organizer is to go, yeah, take all of that stuff and put it into the filter zone. Yeah. Let the human brain filter it away. And, and, and then people will be able to walk around in that world and they've just that they that their brains will just have removed that thing that is there yeah and it's it's like going back to like the filming thing isn't it because i, I notice like in larp there's there's it's a lot more subtle the way you because you, you just you seem to flow in and out of role play because it I know people kind of do it at the D&D table, but very, when I'm role-playing at the D&D table, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm my paladin, blah, blah, blah. and then I'm like, oh, yeah, have you got a spare pen? And I'm just, it's like, I'm in my character. No, I'm not. Whereas in LARP, it's very much like, it, it's it's flowing. There's like a one, one sentence that's in character, one sentence that's out, and then after the fact, it's all filtering out, like you said. It's just like when you retell the story of what we did on the battlefield or what happened in Senate, you're 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 not thinking about all the little, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just going to go to the toilet. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do, do Yeah, that. but I think even then you're talking about your memory editing afterwards. Mm. I think there's a live effect that happens at the same time. Yeah. I think Definitely. the key is that what you're trying to do is you're trying to eliminate as many of the 21st century elements as possible. Mm. Um, and, you know, again, I've talked about this. It's not that the Coke can will ruin your game. Yeah. But if there are enough Coke cans your brain is finding having to do more and more work to make them disappear and filter away and it's mm -hmm. chipping away at your immersion and so you know we put our refs in little yellow and black house coats mm -hmm. so that they look just about passable for the game the moment you want one you can think you're a ref yeah but actually your brain goes oh yeah i can filter that out now the, you know previously the standard was to put them in very high-vis jackets classic modern high-vis jacket you go well yeah cheaper easier but just has that little bit harder for the brain to go yeah take that out yeah. um and so you you want to eliminate as many of those 21st century elements as you can yeah. because actually it just makes it easier to be in the world and yeah. it makes it easier to well yeah. we feel spoiled when we hear stories about other lap systems that are maybe a little bit more old school <laughs> maybe is the word that it's just oh yeah people just like walk around in jeans and and trainers and we're like Wait, what? <laughs> what? What? You, you, you guys have a, a very good thing. The, the aspirational kit thing, I think, is is a very good way of putting it. Because that is that must be quite a difficult thing to. You, I guess you don't want to enforce it because you don't want to put people off, and obviously you don't want to create a culture of like pointing people out, being like you're not you're not being immersive enough. You know how, how difficult is that to maneuver? Oh, it's incredibly difficult. Incredibly difficult. Um, again, you're building all the time on the experiences of other games that, that you may or may not be familiar. Dumnoni Chronicles is a big game. It's been running okay. for I think mm -hmm. 25, 30 years down oh, really? south. Okay. Um, very. It's a it's much smaller than us, but it's it's a big game. You know, have up to 100 players at an event. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all based on sort of Celtic legends, and their kit standards are to die for you know and have been for years and years and years and years and years in the hobby uh back when the rest of us were in, in mom's curtains dumnoni chronicles were in kit that would make hollywood actors go oh yeah this is pretty good stuff yeah. um you know so they've always had that and they got there by being absolutely unequivocally we want really good kit standards yeah. and i remember chatting to one of their 
one of their reps about it and them talking about how great, but at the same time, they got all this negative feedback around, you know, kind of perceptions of elitism. And, and I thought a lot about, well, how do you try and get what they've got, these amazing kit standards, but yeah. not try and get yeah. and try and avoid that elitism yeah. of kind of, well, we're better than everyone else, or you're not good enough to play our game. And so we kind of tried to hit on this idea of, look, it's aspirational. What we want is everyone to try their best, but everybody to be understanding that people start and 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 actually every costume is a work in progress. Nobody, yeah. you know, nobody has a has has a perfect costume. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's one of the things I was because, like I said, we came through like cosplay, and then there's cosplay, and then there's like costumers. You know, there's you know like the, the like the the Rebel Legion, the five hundred first, and it's like yeah, like you say, the word elitism gets thrown around a lot, and it's like oh yeah, you know, you need this this specific costume, and then within cosplay, it's like oh yeah, that's that's wrong. You've made that wrong. Uh, that doesn't look good enough. So coming into the game, we were like, oh, what's it going to be? What's it going to be like? Because you when you're marketing it, you want to showcase your good, your well dressed players as well, right? So you're yeah, probably put, yeah. you're probably putting out. <laughs> the high standard anyway when you're putting your pictures yeah. on you know so that's one thing we were like interesting like, oh what's it what's it going to be like are there are there going to be people looking at our tent being like mm, those guy ropes aren't really appropriate and then they wouldn't speak <laughs> to us <laughs> me fixating on guy ropes so long before the first event i was <laughs> like they're the wrong color they're purple they can't be purple they need to be authentic i need to find natural ones the, the purple ones were very useful though <laughs> they yeah, I, 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 you, you see similar things in reenactment where there's a lot of, can be a lot of kit elitism around, well, that's not authentic. You've, you haven't hand stitched it. You haven't used, you haven't made the, the, the waxy twine yourself from, you know, abandoned sheep. <laughs> uh, Did you whatever. use a modern needle on this? <laughs> Quiet. Um, so, but, but actually going deeper than that. And I, again, I, I did a talk about this a while back, you know, I don't know about your experience of being at high school, but my experience of being at high school was I was not the cool kid. Uh, being into D&D definitely didn't make you part of the uh, the uh, wannabe elite when I was at school. Okay. And, you know, my memories of that time was being emphatically told over and over and over again that my clothing was not cool. I did not dress right. I didn't look right. I didn't dress right. And actually, it is, you know image is incredibly powerful to human beings we are obsessed with our image yeah. a huge amount of our identity and our self-worth is wrapped up in our image and body images and all of these things yeah. you think about in the real world we are a hundred percent now totally understanding of the fact that imagery and and how you look is important to your well-being yeah. and yet everyone imagines that because it's live role playing somehow all of that turns off for the weekend and when you think about it that is utterly absurd absolutely absurd and that actually all of that kind of psychological weight and, and importance is going to be there in a LARP game and people worry about it. I've bailed on LARP games that I've paid hundreds of pounds to go to because I decided three days beforehand my kit wasn't good enough and I'd be too embarrassed to go and I just didn't go. Um, and so everybody can experience that. And I think so for us trying to find ways to address it and go minimum standards is no jeans no t-shirts no trainers that's yeah. it if you're hitting that you're good you're it's good to fine. go and you yeah. know you're fine and actually yeah but it's hard because mm -hmm. people seem to want to either switch between 
all costume is bad because it's inaccessible and expensive and we should all be in trainers to anything less than you know thousand pound costumes is not acceptable and it's, <laughs> it's like worth it. yeah neither of those expresses where 99 percent of the hobby wants to be so yeah yeah and, and sometimes it is uh it is a bit of a like an illusion or because we've had people i've like, been talking just doing this we've just ended up talking to a lot of people from different nations and one thing we do bring up to all of them is that uh you know because obviously you've got like wintermark and navarre and people seem to think that wintermark and navarre are the easiest ones to get into <sighs> From a kit standpoint, but everyone we've spoken to in the Imperial Orcs and obviously in, in Dawn, the march is like that's that's not true. You know, you you can you can make a an affordable kit and still be in this nation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I I, I yeah. I, I find it frustrating when people think, oh, well, this nation's easier to costume or that and so on. Mm again years ago uh, the previous game we did was called odyssey and there were five <laughs> nations in odyssey and it was a classical greco-roman game um so set in sort of antiquity swords and sandals gladiatorial arena nice. <laughs> um and it had greeks and it had carthaginians and it had romans and egyptians mm -hmm. and there was a few persians mm -hmm. now the thing about that game is that the official kind of recommended costume for the Greek warriors in the game was a linothorax, which is the classic Greek armor. I think it's made out of cotton, unbelievably, but it's got a, if you look up linothorax in Google, mm -hmm. it's got a really distinctive look. And the moment you see it, you go, oh yeah, that's a linothorax. Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone in British LARP at that time who had a linothorax. Who had one, yeah. Nobody had one. Nobody had one. Mm -hmm. Greece was our biggest game biggest nation at the start of the game everyone wanted to be in greece yeah. scores and scores of people went out and bought or made their own linothorax and looked yeah. amazing and my argument was yeah they were really hard to costume and people loved it couldn't wait for it couldn't get enough of it so the i you know actually half the fun of larp is throwing yourself into it thinking oh this costumes yeah. you know it, it yeah if if your approach to LARP is to go, I'll play this because this would require absolutely the least effort on my behalf whatsoever, mm -hmm. you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You're doing it wrong because the point of it is to get invested. The point of it is to be excited about it and want to go, oh, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that from my cat. I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah. If you're just going like, oh, I'll take this minimum effort option, you'll have a shit time at the event because you, yeah, you will put the minimum amount in because why, why are you even there you know it's just yeah. like because yeah. I, I guess yeah when you put it that way it's kind of part of the it's part of the role play isn't it then because you, you're you're saying yeah people come put them yeah put them like represent what they what they're feeling and who they want to be for that weekend through their clothes and how people see them it's part of the role play if i want to go out and uh be a knight in shining armor and everyone wants to see me like that I'm going to be invested and be like, yeah, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get some real cool pauldrons that are next for next time. I'm going to get all this noble kit on, you know? Many, many years ago when I was at university, our Hall of Residence went to see the Rocky Horror Show. And it is, of course, tradition that if you go see the Rocky Horror Show, everybody dresses up. All the yeah. guys yeah. have to get up in stockings and suspenders, etc. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not it's doing real. that. I'll feel like an idiot, I said. So our entire Hall of Residence went, and I was the only person there not in stockings and suspenders. Can you imagine how much of an idiot I looked? I looked an absolute fucking pillock. The only person <laughs> yeah. in the entire theatre mm -hmm. not dressed up. Yeah. It's like, who's the old one out here? But the problem was, it's like, if you don't embrace it and don't do that, 
actually you you've not you, you've not put in the energy you'll not get something out of it because yeah. you, you've you've not you know live role playing only works if you believe in it and go yeah let's let, let's become this thing for the weekend let's do yeah. it you know? yeah let's do it and that's the fun of it so i want, I want to like so the, you said the, the odyssey was it yeah that you had mm. five five nations was that the when you when you said right we're gonna have five nations okay was that like the starting the starting block for like yeah, the next thing we're gonna have these distinct groups seem to work you know we're gonna keep with that no because even prior to that we'd had um you know the previous game i'd run maelstrom that had oh god a dozen nations or more in it and mm-hmm. they each had their own costuming and theming and styling yeah. we've always done that um <laughs> yeah we've always done that kind of not no, that's not true actually yeah. no because phoenix larp just said wear whatever you like whatever you like yeah 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 so actually maelstrom was the first game i did where i said you know what this is a setting and it's got nations and then yeah yeah this cost and actually when we did that it was quite unusual at a national fest level to say there are some nations and these are the official costuming styles for them previous to that people had kind of assumed that was too much restriction to put on your players too much sort of yeah, I, I I agree. I think yeah. you know, actually, people want form. They want because uh, they want to be part of something, and well, they want to show that they're part of something. You know, yeah, something yeah. they actually care about. Like well, the great thing about D and D, what you get excited about is you going, oh, I want to be a druid because they get excited about being a druid. You know, it's like any yeah. any character you make can be a druid in that game system, but they get excited about being a druid or a warlock. And for us, when we look start looking at Empire, we looked at a few. I instantly looked at Dawn and was like, yeah, that's me. And I was just like, I want to do that. That's that's the thing I just pointed at Dawn and went, I want to do that, you know? And I convinced Robin that she also wanted to do that. <laughs> to do that. <laughs> I sheepishly came through to Robin and was just like, oh, oh my like, gosh. <laughs> I, I was like, they have like, uh, you know, they have all these uh, these nations. Look, you can be like, you can be a little bit like a Viking and or you, or you could be, or you could be look like a wood elf, you know? <laughs> but then you ended up falling in love with Dawn. So it was fine. Yeah, Dawn was the, the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I find tricky sometimes, particularly for people from a tabletop background, is they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm going to come to Empire. I'm going to be a fighter or I'm going to yeah. be a wizard yeah. or I'm going to be a, a priest. And you're like, no, 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 no. What nation are you going to be from? Single most important question. What nation are you going to be from? Much, much, much more important to your character, your experience yeah. of the event and everything yeah. that will happen to you is who are you and where are you from? Mm-hmm. What you can do... You know, if you're used to a D&D style where there's five people around the table, who the fighter is and who the wizard is is really important. You know, they can't mix those two up. Everyone's got a role. But actually, in Empire, who you are, where you're from, and, and what are you trying to do is much more important than what can you do. Your skills yes. are very, very secondary. And and uh, yeah, that, that's always one thing that worries me when sometimes I see new players and that, that, that they've come with that preconceived idea of what will mm-hmm. be important and you, you you want to try and communicate to them yeah yeah no nation 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 that's where the uh, funds well I mean, that's what i found i found that that's where the, the fun comes in 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 empire is so yeah we had we had um kyle on who's in the uh who's in high guard and he said something that i really resonated with we was talking about how he created his character he's like i want to be i wanted to be the most highborn high guard 
ever you know and that and he he's so he was like you know he's so passionate about the nation and his, yeah. and, and his game and i'm just like that that's the perfect way to perfect bit of advice because that's kind of what we did but we didn't put it that way i was just like i want to be the most dornish person at the event and the game just the game just presents itself to you yeah yeah the game is deliberately written as well that if you embrace that brief and mm -hmm. grab it with both hands we think hopefully you'll probably have a very good time doing it yeah. you know if you're playing dawn and you're just constantly out for glory you'll find that more interesting than if you're sat in your tent thinking well i don't think i'll take any unnecessary risks you know one of those two paths is going to give you a fun weekend and it's probably embracing the brief you yes. know if you're in brass coast and you're going to be as brazen about what you're doing as you can possibly imagine just in your face like yeah i'm doing this you've got a problem with it you know you'll have more fun than if you're sort of quietly thinking oh i'll not draw attention to myself you know it, it, the game is you know we spent three years designing it for a reason it, yeah. it's kind of yeah you, you know yeah but you, you've given you've given like a place for people to go though because like you said you because we, we've we've had people you know friends that have, jo that have joined dawn and they've just they've just ended up in somewhere else because they, they would they were always and when they say, "Oh yeah, no, I'm joining. I'm joining Navar," and you're just like, "Yeah, no, you 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 suit Navar because you just you just know there's yeah. it's not as if they're like, oh, I'm not I'm not playing being Dornish enough. Therefore, there's I, there's no point in me playing Empire. There there seems yeah, to be yeah. they they just seem to just be they seem to gravitate towards those parts of the game. It's like, no, I want to be a, a a sneaky, stabby, run through the forest person, rogue type, and they just you know they just end up in Navar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, we wanted we wanted to be able to try and give 10 genuinely different experiences with the different mm. nations. I don't know why you would have them be all the same. Why would you file the serial numbers off and go, it's Dawn, Born, Gorn, Lawn. Yeah. You, you, people, what, what the point? Yeah, know? exactly. These people wear red, these people wear blue, you know, right. it's like, yeah, yes. just, 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 again, these just like King of the Hill style thing. It's just like, oh, it's blue team winning, you know. So what, yeah. so, so you said it took, like, took you three years. How, at what point were all 10 nations defined? How Did you have a lot of them in your head already when you started making no, the setting? Um, no, there's a story which I've told a couple of times, but I will tell it again. It is a good one. Yeah, go we got 18 months into the design process. We'd written tons and tons of material, but it was classic corporate stuff. We would get people together in rooms and go, right, everyone, let's, let's have a thought shower. Let's have a brainstorm. Let's come up with an idea for a game. And we'd write things on big lists. And it was shit. Yeah. It was corporate <laughs> you know it was it wasn't that it was unimaginative but it was forced it didn't have a soul it didn't have a heart yeah it yeah. was a load of ideas uh looking for you know it was a co the commercial vehicle desperately in search of artistic integrity yeah it was you know it was just it was yeah. just soulless uh and then a couple of mates of mine got drunk at a larp again well drunk they were around the fire at three in the morning and um they were sort of going oh yeah this is what i like about pd and then the other one would be this is what i like about my game and they wrote it down on a on literally on a fag packet and and one of them came to see me sheepishly in the morning and he was like i wrote this for you and i took one look at the piece of paper and i went that's the game we're going to run oh wow that's wow. it <laughs> we are going to be everything we've done to date um and that thing on the back of that because i could just look at it mm -hmm and instantly see it was a great idea for a game. 
Yeah. And I was like, that's it. And then, so we just started again, actually, after 18 months. And some of the stuff you lift, you go, oh, back. oh actually, we came up with this yeah, idea. We, yeah, we let's can bring do that. that. Yeah. You know, you, you then start to think about, well, where would that fit in this world that we're creating? But, but the game had a heart, it had a soul, because two LARPers around a campfire at three in the morning sort of chewing the fat and going oh yeah it should be like this and the game should have this and it should have that and it, and it was genius it was yeah. genius uh, and I was like that's the game I want to run uh but no the nations took shape over time we got mm-hmm. writing teams in we tried to have a sort of quite a professional process where we'd have like mm-hmm. teams of writers and there'd be coordinators mm-hmm. and they'd work on briefs and in theory we were going to winnow it down there were only going to be eight nations but mm-hmm. classic game designer fail didn't have the heart to cut uh couldn't find the one that we you were like oh no they've all got to stay um would have been a better game if we'd cut to eight but we just yeah, you still can you still can uh, just, just, um, <laughs> <laughs> careful with what you say next <laughs> it's fine which, which nations are you cutting <laughs> inject a load of plot and get the marches back in dawn it'd be fine yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's one down one down yeah no i um once you once you've this once you've written them all and they're all written up and you've got all 10 in front of you and you're like okay well which ones didn't make the cut and you love them all you've put hundreds and hundreds of hours of work into them and you're like i can't do it i can't i can't go that one's the weakest it's got to go well we'll take those ideas and put them here you just mm-hmm. you know like it, they, they it get eventually they take on a life of their own but yeah. it took months and months um and there were some terrible ideas that got cut along the way, without a yeah, doubt. I bet. Um, yeah. What, what made you, what made you go for? Because one thing I really love about the setting is I think a lot of fantasy settings have too much choice. What made you go for just orcs and humans? Well, <laughs> I mean, there are other things out there in the world. Oh, there are. Um, but, but I yes, like it, that mystery. You know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So it wasn't like a choice of just like, oh, there's because I, I got to admit at, at this point, sometimes in D and I'm like, if I'm running a game, I'm just like, okay, I've got to say only only races from like I don't want to run a game with a Kenku and a and a yeah, cat person yeah, yeah. and a this person and a that. What person. you leave out a lot is as, as what you leave out of a, of a role playing game is as important as what you put in. Yeah, um, okay. I remember years ago, you know, when, in fact, when we created our very first game, Phoenix LARP, and we were like, it's a post apocalyptic setting, and and this and that can be in, but like you know no pirates no celts no goblins and i remember one of the guys who was on the team going you you can't tell people no goblins (laughs) and i'm like i think you'll find i can yeah (laughs) can and i'm going to Uh, and he was genuinely horrified that we would tell people they couldn't play a thing they wanted to play he regarded it as unethical to say you know someone wants to play this who are you to tell them they can't it's like it's my fucking game yeah i'm creating this world (laughs) yeah yeah you've you've got to put you've got to put a limitate you've got to put like right i'm trying to tell you're trying to tell the story you can't let you can't just let everyone just run in all different directions and be like what you leave out is as important as what you put yeah. in. Yeah. You don't go and watch Star Wars and have, you know, warmer 40k orcs in it. It wouldn't make any sense. It yeah. wouldn't fit. It wouldn't, it just wouldn't work. And and actually, once you start hammering everything in, you, you just 
um, it loses cohesion and it, mm -hmm. and the things lose value. You know, I, I've played in games that had a million different kinds of elves and only, only you only had to meet one of each kind, obviously, because there's so many different kinds. You're never going to meet two elves from the same race, exactly. you know, and, and you'd be like, it's just a bit ridiculous, isn't it? You're, you're all different. It doesn't make any sense. So I think with Empire, we were like, OK, what do we want and why do we want it? Why does its function in the game world justify mm -hmm. itself from the outset? And if it can't, it, it's not in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. orcs and humans were all we had, um, essentially, yeah. as the core races, because mm -hmm. you know we didn't feel we didn't feel we wanted more than that. No, and then and then obviously like the the, the fact that you've got nations is is a, an amazing part of the game. But the other good part, the unifying part, is uh, the religion, the way. How how did you how did you come up with that? Because I think it's genius that you've gone. Oh, we're not having some like crazy dragon god deity that we will have to worship you've basically gone okay these are like actual human things that you can all follow yeah up. yeah i mean i love I, I mean i love politics in larp and i love religion in larp um but you know most of those who played dnd have come from a background of greek style gods the god of storms and thunder the god of trees the god of biscuits whatever yeah. how do you proselytize the god of storms you know you should totally follow the god of storms what's he about storms what, what happens <laughs> yeah. well we go out in storms a lot it's just like yeah well, you don't have a real I... reason for doing anything do you you're yeah. just like oh yeah what why do i want to do this why do i want to go to war because yeah, yeah. the storm god wants us to yeah it's just garbage um and if you're trying to build a game you know our company's called profound decisions because mm -hmm. The whole point about it is that the decisions you make in the game are important and significant mm -hmm. and meaningful. I, for me, live role playing is when you are making decisions. It's like if you're not making a decision at any point, I, I question whether you're really live role playing or really role playing at all. If you're not yeah. actually making a decision that has any difference, what, what is really happening here? Years ago, I went on a. a, a you perhaps you haven't done local club lot but local club lot yeah. has a very simple structure you go okay. on what's called a linear and you walk along and you'll encounter a set of monsters or a thing that will come to you oh and oh. you'll have the encounter and then you'll do some more walking and the monsters will run away change costume and you'll generally walk around in a circle and come back and there'll be another encounter sometimes it can be 30 encounters just one after the other and i played a character who was blind he'd taken a vow of blindness so we're walking around stumbling along with a stupid strip over my eyes yeah. the thing about being blind in his alarp is gives you a lot of time to think yep. you can't do a lot else <laughs> it just gives you a lot of time to think <laughs> so we go into the first encounter and i sort of listen to the monsters and listen to what they're saying i thought i know what's happening here i know exactly what's happening here i could see the whole plot of this entire entire linear as clear as day right okay what are we going to do next i thought about it i thought what we're going to do is we're going to walk in a long circus circuit uh, the sequence of encounters we'll meet this guy at the end we'll kill him and we'll go home and i thought that is exactly the same thing was would have happened if i had no idea what was going on yeah and the realization that nothing i did was going to have any impact of any kind not just on the story but on yeah. me on me i'm yeah, just like exactly oh i'm not making any and that was that realization that actually i want to make a decision now we're used to a lot of LARP games you're making decisions on information you know you're in the dungeon do you open yeah. the door or don't you open the door well yeah. what's behind it but actually 
I, you know, in, in the kind of games I run, a lot of the decisions are really, you've got very, very high levels of information. And the decision is, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. It's not a decision. It's a choice. It's a value choice. And in that world, religion is incredibly important because it's all about your motivations and what mm -hmm. drives you as a person, as a character. So for a long time, uh, since basically Maelstrom in 2004, I've been really interested in religion systems that are about beliefs in things and about things that you can proselytize and that you okay. can you can embody so in maelstrom we had virtues not mm -hmm. we didn't have virtues sorry we had gods okay. but the gods were things like the god of law who's got a whole yeah. load of things about upholding the law and okay, ensuring yeah. the laws are they had a god of, of vengeance which is all about hunting down perpetrators and, and there was a god of edge i can't remember them all but but the <laughs> gods were all about things that you would do in the world yeah. and, and and political objectives that you were trying to achieve and push and promote and so you could say to someone you shouldn't follow the god of law you should follow the god of justice you know you could have that argument in a meaningful way well what would it yeah. mean for you well you would do this instead of that thing you're doing and people could make value judgments and choices and decisions um and it worked tremendously well except for the god part the, the stuff about like the beliefs and the ideals and the principles worked brilliantly and the bit with the god in it was rubbish yeah, yeah so when yeah. we were like yeah let's do the good bit and get rid of the bad bit where yeah. people yeah. talk to god <laughs> um because you can make larp look really incredible but i tell you what it's incredibly difficult to make a deity convincing yeah. really hard yeah. they yeah. always look a bit like a bloke in a costume in a costume yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. odd that really <laughs> yeah. odd yeah, yeah. <laughs> really hard to make gods convincing better yeah. and for no good reason at all and actually again if you think about a game that's all about you mm. and what decisions you make the worst possible thing i could ever ever have you do is meet god so you're gonna meet yeah. God and go, "Hi, God, what should I do?" And God, God will be like, "Oh, I don't want to say." Yeah, because you know? it's literally taking your agency away. Because that's the good thing about the the virtues is that it's just like like you have one called ambition, which literally just states, "Go do the thing that you want to go do," you know. And you've got you've got courage, and you've got so you can, you know, interact with these virtues because it's like self growth. So the more mm -hmm. The, the more you interact with those games your your character will go through the labyrinth you know and it's yeah. stimulating games i think that's what people get wrong when they do the world building some people enjoy it but sometimes you see people especially like if they're doing dnd games they made this like massive google doc and it's like all the law and your players aren't interested in it because they can't really it doesn't really affect them it doesn't yeah. you can't interact yeah. with it it's not it's not making them because there's nothing worse when you're in a game and you're like i'm gonna be this great hero and then some king comes along and goes oh well i'm friends with this god and you know this 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 god is married to this other god and you're just like okay we're just like watching a movie here aren't yeah. we you know i'm yeah. not being part of it part of some yeah. weird cinematic rather than actually using your own decisions and your own choices to influence what's going to happen next yeah yeah 
I don't play a lot of modern computer games. I play a lot of old computer games. I don't play a lot of modern computer games. But the idea of cutscenes just does my head in. It's like, <laughs> so it's a bit of the game that you can't really do anything other than watch. What the fuck is the point of that? Yeah. It's just yeah. like, that's crazy. But you, pay actors a lot of money. Because yeah. um, obviously, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, no age, but you, you obviously you've got, to ha- you've got to have some of those strings to run a game like this. Like you obviously you, you have to do something behind the scenes to stimulate stuff, right? So... Because that is, I, I get what you mean with the video games. Because there's a the video game company called Telltale Games, and they make these like story games. And they had one like from The Walking Dead. And I think they've done ones with like Batman and whatever. But I was playing through their Walking Dead one, and you make all these choices. And I was like, oh yeah, that was a really good game. And then I kind of it was the second one that I played through, and I was just like, okay, why did I end up back here? I like I really didn't want to end up here. And so like I went back and played it again. And every choice you made just led to the same, same damn outcome. thing, and it just <laughs> it just totally destroyed my love for that game. And I'm just like, no, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to play it. What was the point in playing it? Because I didn't have any agency. Yeah, because you realised that one of the things that's fascinating about life role playing is there's there's two things you can do. You can either make people think they've got agency. Yeah. Uh, you can trick them because actually the interesting thing is if you only ever get to go through the story once, mm-hmm. you don't know. You, you, mm-hmm. because you come to these branches and you think oh well i'll go this way and you don't know that actually if you went the other way it led to the same place because you're only taking one set of decisions so in theory you can trick people and have a completely no choice game where it looks like you've got agency the problem is it's really hard to do that well for a long period of time in larp yeah if yeah. you imagine classic example is our battles do the players win or do the players lose? Well, imagine if we'd already pre-decided whether the players were going to win or lose the battle. We've got 500 players volunteering to be monsters. If we started saying to those volunteers, yeah, the players are going to win this battle because X and Y is going to happen, that would leak pretty fucking quickly. Ooh, I don't want to be like, that battle <laughs> sucked balls. PD had already decided who was going to win. It's actually really hard to give people agency over a prolonged period of time mm-hmm. that is is fake but feels real yeah. my view is it's much easier to do it by just actually giving them agency just make their decisions real but of yeah. course we could do that in a larp environment because we can constantly respond to what the players do we go, oh you've done that right okay this happens um so it's just reactive it's just reactive yeah i you know, years, I, and again, I've been running games like this for years, and both tabletop and LARP games like this way for years and years and years. And I always say, um, I, when I, if I'm tabletopping as a DM, I'll write the problem. Mm-hmm. I will not write the solution. I won't yeah. even think what yeah. the solution is, and I, I will deliberately not even think because if I thought of a solution. I'll be constantly judging your solution against yeah. my solution. And yeah. it'll be like, oh, well, yeah, I thought you were going to do it this way. That that way doesn't work. Yeah. You know, whereas if I've got nothing in my mind about what the outcome's going to be, then I absolutely can. I, I, for me, it's the only way I can look at what you've done with a totally open mind because I haven't thought about anything. Um, and so, you know, if, you, if you're trying to give people genuine agency in a story, uh, and give them real control over the outcome, then your goal is is to be able to assess, to react with a purely open mind, no prior do, judgments. Do, do you yeah. get do you get good at predicting that? I mean, it's it's it sounds mad to be like, oh, we're going to predict what thousands of people are going to do, but I, I bet you th- there must be patterns that show up. 
because human beings are all about pathic. Surely, right? Surely you must go, oh yeah, I bet, I bet Dawn are going to do this if we give, <laughs> if we do this, dangle this in front of them. I, I We can pretty be pretty sure that they, they're probably going to go down one of these two avenues or is it just a... I suspect that we are correct less often than we would get by statistically pulling beads. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I think everybody thinks they can predict. I mean, whenever you're creating plot, um, you're always trying to hit a sweet spot mm-hmm. where people are tempted. What you don't want is just something that's so overwhelming that you're like, oh, well, we, that's just too good to be true. We'll just take it. You know, if if I say to Dawn, there's a giant lorry full of sweets and you just push this button and we're going to fill the glory square with money, do you want it? Everyone want to go, so we just push that button. No drawbacks. You fill the glory square with money. Yeah, yeah, we'll take that, thanks. That's not a plot. You're not yeah. going to think about it. You're like, that's a no-brainer. There's no actual decision there to make. Okay, if I yeah. say, oh, but the money, we've robbed it all from the marchers and they're definitely going to want it back in the next 15 minutes. Now you'll be like, ah, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, right. sure, I want that truck. It seems to come with some trouble. Um, yeah, and that allows if, you to be reactive. But yeah. but the point is, you're, you're trying to get this thing that's finely nuanced. Equally, you don't want something that's so unappealing. The players who say, that's just crap. Just ignore that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I reckon 50% of the time we get that wrong. 50% of the time, mm-hmm. We either utterly undershoot and the players go, that's got no appeal whatsoever and just write it off. Or we utterly overshoot and the players are like, that's a no brainer. Just bank that one and move on. The other 50% of the time we we hit something that's appealing. But the thing that's interesting is you will often see players comment before the game saying that one's rubbish. No one will do it. Or that one's a no brainer. Everyone will do it. Mm -hmm. And it's 50, 50, bead pull from a bag whether they're correct or not yeah they'll be yeah. like that's rubbish no one will do it it happens it happens that's anyway. <laughs> an absolute no-brainer everyone wants it doesn't happen yeah and so i find i don't think our predictive abilities are any better than our players no um you're just you're just stoking fire then right you're just you're just exactly. going in yeah you're yeah. just going in and being <laughs> like oh that, that they're doing this let's just like poke them poke them in this direction let's poke them here you know but also if I'm getting my craft right, I would want every single one to be so firmly balanced that you couldn't. I couldn't predict which way it was going to go. Because if I could predict which way it was going to go, I'd probably try and even up the other side a little yeah. bit. So <laughs> in theory, if I've got my job right, I have literally no clue what's going to happen of any kind at all. So, so it, it, that brings me to another question. What, it just in a nutshell, because I bet it's 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 mad. But what 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 does a weekend look like for you? Like what is it, what what yeah. are you? Because 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 you're talking about plot here and things like that. Because I imagine because a lot of this plot, because we've heard it from other people, are like yeah, people are obviously your you know your crew are taking feedback from what's actually happening at real time in the event. How how much of that do you personally have to deal with in in real time? Really, really, really little. Oh, really? Okay. Really little. Yeah. So, again, Empire is a game that's designed and, and we put thousands of hours into thinking about it. Yeah. And there's, in design terms, I think of it, it 
before I was a live role player, I worked on oceanographic models, mm -hmm. models of the ocean. When you build a model of the ocean, you have a boundary to your model. Uh -huh. And what, uh, uh, if you're building a model and you've got a boundary, what's important is what goes across your boundary. Yeah. So you, you, you're modeling inside and then you're determining outside, you're not modeling. That's because that's what the boundary of a model is. It's the bit where you stop modeling. But what's important is what goes across that boundary. Yeah. Empire works on very similar principles. The players are the model. The players are 3,000 independent, randomly moving elements that no one can know what's going to happen. It is genuinely, in my opinion, it is a chaos machine. It is a, a butterfly flaps its wings and creates a hurricane. And you don't know what the, you know, you think you can know. You can, you can still go, well, I think this might happen. Yeah. But you don't know because it's chaotic. What's crucial is not what happens in the model because the model is self-running. I never have to go out and speak to a player and go, oh, by the way, this is what you do next. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every player is completely self-actualized. Um, they're, they're, so that what matters is what comes out over the boundary and what goes back in over the boundary. Uh, the, the things that, that, that enter the game and the things that leave the game. And in Empire, all yeah. of those things are all carefully built in ways that we can measure them and record them and, and analyze them after the event, react to them, and then move them forwards. Yeah. So where are the armies? Well, the armies don't move at the event. They sort of do because the generals have hours of discussion. Well, we could go here, we could go there. And then after all of that discussion has taken place, at the end of the weekend, they write down on a piece of paper where their army's going and they hand mm -hmm. it to a PD representative and it comes out of the boundary. It goes over the boundary. They yeah. indicate to us that army's going to move there. We go, right, we update our thing. Well, now we know what's going to happen next. We'll feed you the information at the start of the next game. That information goes back in. So... Yeah, we listen to what's happening during the game and we get excited. We go, oh, that's amazing. They've done that and, and yeah. stuff. But by and large, we haven't got a clue what's happening. No. And we don't need to know. No, no. It, it's, it's yeah. yeah. Like you say, the game is running itself. And then yeah. it's, 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 I can see why you've come up with like an actual empire because that's like a, that's like a representation of what you're talking about because you've just got, because that's what empires do. They, they expand. We know history, empires expand. And if they get too successful, then bad bad things happen right but in this you all you need to do is just pick putting constant threats and just keep putting you know oh something's happening over here or we'll just put another threat from from the top and like you said there's a boundary you know yes yeah yeah, yeah. totally um it, again a, a lot of this is you know is corrections from previous games we had a previous game we ran where an important issue was who would host each event different nations would host and the players would get together and discuss who would host the nation at the next event and then they would make an announcement and the next event would happen and that nation would host you think well that all sounds pretty logical but guess what there was no mechanism for the players to tell us Oh. No way for the players <laughs> to tell or to pass that information on. No way for us to know what decision the players had made. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for two and a half years, we would run this and they'd go, yeah, great. We really like this game. And then one day, different people hosted the event and they were like, that's not the people we chose. Yeah. And we were like, we had no idea you were even making a choice. Yeah. It just, we got lucky, put it in the same place you wanted every time. But, but, and you think, that's mad. You must be able to know. But think what would happen in Empire if you didn't have the votes, if you didn't have those points where you interacted with the civil service and yeah. go, this thing is decided. Imagine 
if all that happened in the military council was just the discussion and the politics and they're like, oh, we could go here, everyone would come away with a slightly different view of where Story, the armies yeah. go. Yeah. And actually, and then we go, right, yeah, the armies did this. And we might get it right, but a load of players would go, that's that's not what we agreed. Yeah, because that's literally, I mean, that literally, that's literally what happens on a smaller scale when you do organise things. Like we, we so the, the, the Brock's Toll Battle at E2, uh, two, two separate teams showed up to represent Dawn. <laughs> it was just like, we thought we were organising. Yeah, I can totally see how that happens. You yeah. Know? Right. <laughs> and, and the interesting thing in that argument is if those two groups go away, what would happen if both of those groups fought and one, one, one won and one lost? Has Dawn won or lost? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, there's no answer to that question. Yeah. Each group of players absolutely mm -hmm. convinced they've got an answer. But to you as the organiser, there is literally no way. To, it doesn't even make sense to say there's an answer to that question at that yeah. point. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that chaotic noise that's just swirling around the system. And actually, if we listen to it, they just go mad. Yeah. Because it's, it's noise. Mm. It's, it's... Yeah, it, it, it's really, really important. It is the actual game, mm -hmm. but it's not important to what we're doing as organisers. Yeah. We only yeah. need those signals that you're going to send to us <laughs> through the, the boundary, the things where you go, this army goes here. We voted on this. This is a law now. We've declared this. This has happened. Yeah. Um, so do you think you've got into the stick? Because like number, obviously numbers have, have other connotations, but do you think you've got to the point now with the numbers, it wouldn't matter if it was like, 2,000, 5,000, or 10,000 when it comes to actually running the game in that way? Or do you think it could change? I um, I mean, if you'd asked me that three years ago, I'd have said it didn't make the blindest bit of difference. Um, because my view of it was, you know, I designed the game to be played by thousands of people. Um, how many? I didn't really think about it. You know, no. I thought if we go really well, we might get 1,500 players. And then we got that our first game. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, and then actually, because the first game was minus nine degrees and the ground had six <laughs> inches of snow on it, not everyone enjoyed it or came back. Um, so we didn't hit 1,500 again for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But I was always of the view, like 1,500, 2,000 players, yeah. the game will be fine. Mm -hmm. And again, if, you know, at the point where we hit 2000 you say well will it be fine at 3000 like yeah no worries at all yeah. once you design for massive chaotic interaction you're yeah. not really worried about how many chaotic agents you've got no. if you put another thousand people in empire it wouldn't make any difference having grown 35 percent and and compounded that and run some equations forward for a couple of mm -hmm. years and gone oh my freaking god that's a lot of people yeah i'm suddenly in a scenario where i'm looking and thinking what if it was like much much bigger like ten thousand people mm -hmm. or something and I, I i have no idea what that would look like i can't yeah. conceive of the game on that scale and i think the design criteria would all hold i think the principles and the concepts would work yeah but i'd be pretty arrogant to go yeah this this game could work in a regime that i literally have never been able to conceive of or seen in my entire life are you, so are you, yeah are you, in un, yeah are you in uncharted waters then like do, do you, is that what you you feel like as a what what, what do you think about like larp in general because i don't know i don't you know i know there are other festival larps bigger larps but yeah. 
yeah i mean do, do you feel like that you're kind of on the forefront and they're they're the same and it's it's all growing or do, or do you feel like there's already there's already a set kind of pattern there and you're going to get to a certain point and that's going to be it well i i, I mean that's a lot of different questions yes there are some bigger laps than us the german games the, the two big german fests are bigger than us conquest of mythodia and mm -hmm. Drakenfest. Mm -hmm. i think they're four thousand and seven thousand respectively yeah um i really really want to go to one one day and just look at it from a technical perspective and get my head around it but when i look at them from a personal perspective i look at them and think gosh those are quite old school style games um they look like the sort of games britain was running in the 1985 1990 1995 period except okay. really really well produced really well run and organized brilliant german efficiency but i don't look at it and think oh man that's the cutting edge of large game design right yeah i look yeah. at it and think Okay. Yeah. So um, you think you're on a different path then with Empire? I you think we're on a very, yeah. very different path. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, my point is, are we in unprecedented waters? No, because I don't think three thousand players is is massively different to two thousand players. No. And and I think like if we got another, you know, it's insane. But if we were at four thousand players, I wouldn't be worried. There'd be a lot of logistical things like toilets and camping and space and physical. And, yeah. But I think the game would work just fine. Yeah, the game. Yeah. So so. But uh, I just wonder, like. Oh my God, what yeah. lies beyond that? There must come yeah. a point where something would be different and I don't know where, but yeah. but I don't think that will happen. No, no. So you, you mentioned space and things like that. So are, are you, uh, is PD looking for uh, a permanent site? Because that's what we keep hearing from people. They're like, oh yeah, there's going to be, they're looking for a permanent site. You keep hearing like little snippets and everything yeah. and just really want to know. <laughs> yeah, no, we are an open book. So anyone who ever wants to know anything can just grab mm -hmm. me and, Send me an email or poke me or get me to come on their podcast and I'll cheerfully talk <laughs> and about I'll it. tell you where to go. Um, we've been trying to get a permanent site for years. Mm -hmm. uh, we got really close about five or six years ago. Uh, we did a big link up with a charity who owned a lot of woodlands. And at the very last minute, and I mean the last minute, it fell through when we had to find a new site with five weeks to go, which was pretty traumatic. Yeah. Um, anyway so we have been looking for a site for years mm -hmm. um we were already just before the pandemic 2019 was a fantastic year for us and we were like yeah this has been our best year ever it's been brilliant mm -hmm. everything is fantastic and we were like right this is it we're going to get our own site and we put together a plan and we had a whole concept it's like yeah we're doing it uh and we were literally about to hit go on our sort of grand plan and yeah. uh, the pandemic happened and everything had to go into deep freeze <sighs> so then we were like okay well and i was like well we'll have to wait till after the pandemic and then mm -hmm. some of my colleagues well we'll have to wait a year after the pandemic to check we've still got a business yeah um yeah so but by june of this year i was like uh, we've up. still yeah. got a business <laughs> only have we still yeah. got a business but things are mad mad busy uh so we basically created a new company called mm -hmm. unknown worlds we sold shares to friends and family in unknown worlds we raised mm -hmm. a huge pile of money uh which is sat in a bank account and i have been having conversations with land agents saying i'm looking to buy a great big piece of land i've got this big pile of money um what have you got for me mm -hmm. um so we have been actively looking we raised all that money in october of yeah. this okay. year 
um, and we are proactively looking. Now, I think it's really important to be clear about timescales. It will take us a long time to find a piece of land. It will take us a long time to buy it, and it will take us a long time to get planning permission to do what we want. So, yeah, you know, because oh, yeah. that'll. So, yeah, because we were saying that the game run, like you said, the game you come from the game will run with a lot, a lot more people. Yes. And space, so space is your like is, is going to be your biggest enemy if you keep if you keep growing. So that is that the thing that you're like, oh, we don't want to grow just too quick before we have the space for it. Um. Well, the thing about space is you can't really make more than you've got. So yeah. I'd almost rather grow and then stop in some ways because that would be the easiest. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I've never, I've, years ago, I've turned someone away from a LARP. I've gone, mm. sorry, we're full. And they'd driven like five hours to be there. And I had to stand there and say, you got to go home. Yeah. Fire regulations for this site is 120 people. We've got 120 people. You can't come in have to yeah. go home and it was the worst thing i've ever wow. done in larp yeah. it was just and they're just sort of staring at you in a kind of don't take my fun uh and you're like i'm sorry but i have to take your fun you've got to yeah. go home um so i don't ever 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 want to tell someone we're full mm -hmm. but okay. maybe one day the day will come if we and particularly if we get our own site it will have a natural limit and in theory it might reach a point where it is full but and that uh, can't fit any more people. But then surely you'd have you'd be able to run more events because I mean that's that's one thing that that, that is interesting for us because people like when we've got into LARP and people oh yeah you you're gonna come to a player event you're gonna come to this small LARP this small LARP and you're like I would love to they're all sold out because <laughs> they're capped at like sixty people or a hundred people. Um, but so it's all, almost becomes like a yeah like a, a a lack of dungeon masters thing right there, there needs to be more if there's more people wanting to play there's probably going to have to be more games at some point yes and no um i mean I, I, you, you, your analysis is correct but obviously we as a, an organization run empire mm -hmm. you know what would it mean if we ran another game well it wouldn't be empire and we you know firstly we could put more event empire events on well, well yes. yeah so you just but, have like six events than four events yeah but but what would happen? You'd only be able to get to some of them, and then it wouldn't be the same. It's My a continuing view, story, right? It's a continuing <laughs> story, exactly. You know, we said when we set Empire up, there'll be four at PD Empire events a year, and that will never change. Mm -hmm. We will never run more events than that because it's like I want you to know what you're getting into when you play the game i don't want you to love it and be addicted to it and be go oh yeah great make more money i'm gonna put another three events on in the year and you'd be like oh, i can't spare that many weekends yeah. or i can't afford that many weekends or i can't yeah. come on you know i think that would be unfair on people i think it people limits right... people far too much and and yeah, yeah four you... events yeah it, it works well, most people can manage it and yeah, yeah. and yeah. we mentioned elitism before like sometimes that's where these things can get a bit elitist you got the people that can afford to play the game because they can right. go to every single event and the people that go i can only do one but i feel so left out because i'm getting fomo every time empire yeah. happens and i'm not there you know so what what other ambitions would you have apart from just having more space what other things would you look if to do we, in a new site well for us basically the goal would be to rent it out to other LARP groups that when, makes sense. The, when yeah. we're not running it you know for me the goal would it effectively to have like just this amazing quality event center with everything you'd want on it to live role play run the pd events there four times a year and then just be like right what can we do for the hobby you know how can we help yeah. there be more great events to go to we'll never run more events but we can help other people run lots of great events and well you know, that would be my buzz 
yeah yeah so so would that mean like you're looking at doing like permanent structures and things like that mm. yeah i'd love yeah. to uh, but but just bear in mind that planning is not straightforward for these things. Yeah, you can't just put um, up a castle, can you? <laughs> you can't just... Well, you can, but they usually tell you to take it down again. Um, yeah. We, we, we're, we're, we are, it's a long road and we're at the start of it. Yeah. But yes, I would love to, to, to be in a position where we've got permanent structures, you know, beautiful buildings that you can walk in and walk around and larp in that that's got to be the goal mm -hmm. um and it's question is how close to that can we get how near to that can we can we achieve it but as uh, as our surveys show nine out of ten larpers want really good quality toilets first that That'd is that nice. is a thing yeah that that is a thing i mean one thing i've noticed about <laughs> one thing i've noticed about empire is that because you look at some of the like i don't, I don't know about dragon fest but i know there's like that there's a couple in like north america and they do have like they have this mix of like a ren fair but they have buildings and things like that and everyone's like oh yeah you know they've got all these buildings and all this is going on it's a week long and then you like you you obviously you look at the price and you're just like well that's kind of that's built into the, the the price of it one thing i like about empire is that yeah it feels like you're in a fantasy world just with using some canvas tents you know which yes so you don't really need to go that far out of that surely right or would you want like a whole town and a, <laughs> and a, and a planning castle? would never let you build a whole town no. but it would be wonderful if the senate building was a great big fully roofed building it would be wonderful to have a two-story tavern again it would be oh, yeah, great a tavern, have... that would be really cool yeah, yeah i'd love the academy for the kids to be like a real schoolhouse i'd love the synod to have a great big temple that they could get together in and you know hold their meetings and discuss things and yeah i i think you're looking for kind of um signature buildings that can focus yeah. role play and also hopefully help uh you know if it does rain still have lots of really big communal spaces that people can be in and be dry um so but you're right you're not there's a now at the end of the day people aren't going to pack their building and bring their building with them they're going to pack their tent and bring their tent and you yeah. still want that you want to encourage that mm -hmm. you want to encourage that level of immersion and because it's back to what we talked about the thing about disney and the thing that's interesting about disney you know euro disney is it's a completely passive experience yeah. you go you turn up you wander around you look at the pretty things you go home yeah. <laughs> live role playing is a fundamentally participatory experience it starts with you thinking about what am I going to wear? Who am I? What's my name? And from the moment you walk in, it's about you and what you're doing. It's not about looking at the pretty things. And so we're always going to want people to bring beautiful tents and set dress them, not just because it adds to the game, but because actually that's part of the fun of yeah, everything. Part of yes, doing. Yeah. it really is. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's part of the fun. Yeah, I mean, what one thing that Disney do, they kind of, um, they obviously like annex everything and that you look at the layouts of their part. If, if you consider doing... So obviously, if you have your own space, you'll be able to <coughs> organize where everything goes, you know, because I was thinking about this the other day when because people were panicking about uh, panicking about um, camping space and things like that. Have, have you, yeah. If you had like buildings, because this is just what I have in my mind, if you have like actual builders, let's say you have the Senate, would you would you have like you could have like a like a center point? And then be like, right, okay, everyone's, all the nations are kind of annexed out and then they can just kind of expand out the back or something. Yes, you know? that would be the ideal if, yeah. the, if the, the site allows it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we gotta, gotta get a piece of land first. Yeah. Well, you know, um, land's not cheap. And, no, uh, it's, it's, 
certainly not. Is, is there is there a certain part of the country? Because obviously you you've, you've been. Yeah. How long have you been at? How long have you been at um, Dadford? Quite a while actually. Been there about five years now, and yeah. we were at a, a similar site round the corner before that for three or four years so we've been in that area for a long time yeah but i i will be honest and and those from the south won't be excited the a50 corridor is our target goal uh you know the shropshire to leicestershire between the m6 and the m1 and and that you know the so that the people coming from scotland with their seven hour drives if they got two hours off their drive i'd be a very happy person yeah uh, yeah yeah because i mean yeah it's a lovely you know lovely i don't know where you 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 guys are based so no we're we're we're, we're gloucestershire so it's only like we're only like an hour and a half away but we were we did we did live um in the northeast of scotland so coming we were like right up at aberdeen and we used to drive down to like 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 comic cons and everything and yeah you're talking like you know between seven and ten hours of driving oh it was a whole excursion it wasn't just a heavily limits what you could do yeah you know you had to get flights and then you had to like get 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 the dog in the kennel for five days just literally for two for for a weekend you know yeah yeah we uh, that's why if we could just shift north of birmingham yeah uh, and hit that corridor yeah. i'd be really happy yeah no, that yeah. Sounds um, yeah yeah I'm, I'm super i'm super excited so you're not gonna you're not gonna blow up our favorite thing in the next <laughs> in the next year it sounds like oh good i'm happy no um because with the best will in the world empire is the cash machine that would make the site work it would yeah. be quite a risk to take all of my friends' money and go, I'm going to sink it into this giant LARP site. Oh, I'm going to blow my game up at the same time. You know, the thing that pays all the bills that make all of this work. <laughs> I've got some, you know, I'll, I'll take some big risks in my life, but that's not one yeah, I'm planning yeah. on right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm pretty like, sure people won't be happy. You're like, oh, I've got this Space Marine uh, game idea that I'm going to do. <laughs> Let's tear it all down. Yeah, no. Um yeah. And indeed, actually, once you get your own site, it does strongly encourage you. You know, if you're going to build a building, you'd build a Senate, Yeah. you know. So at that point yeah. where well, you've got a Senate now, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it, 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 and so in theory, I'm, you know, it would make us more, more static, but that's all yeah. right. Cause I, I don't have any plans to change at this point. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I'm pretty confident. Like I was saying, like there seems to be a, that there's a, people seem to want to go to LARPs, whether it's, it's an empire uh, event whether it's an empire player event there's just there's there's loads of them popping up like i said they're all full you know so i'm pretty sure that if you just ran your four events and you had like you said it makes you static but i'm pretty sure if you have land there i'm like hey run your laps here you know i'm pretty sure it'd be full every weekend I can't remember uh, yeah we hope so yeah. we'll see it's a long way you know it's yeah. we're, we're, we're wish casting and thinking about like all the tomorrows but it, if we can make it happen it'll be pretty cool but Good. it's Good. uh so yeah. we'll, we'll, con- we'll continue we'll continue getting people like involved in it <laughs> it's just like, it's nice people, because i'm telling we're like telling everyone we're like, oh this we've, we've discovered this thing it's like the best thing ever and then people are like oh there's not enough room in the in the campsite for everyone to be in the campsite i'm like well, maybe we should stop telling people <laughs> it's not got to that stage yet no we are uh, yeah it, it's 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 like I say, we've been trying to do this for years, but 2019, we got to the point where we're going, you know what, this is actually economically viable to buy to site. 2022, we were like, oh my God. Um, every, you know, every player that comes into the game makes that dream of a permanent yeah. site and bigger, bigger reality, basically more likely yeah. to happen. So fantastic. Uh, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to see what, see what happens. That's the other thing I, I, I'm loving about LARP as well. And the type of game that like empire is, it's, it's a game that, 
you can play at any stage of your life you know so it just yeah. even if i'm like hey you know it, i'm perfectly happy to play this for years even if i get to a stage where i can't go out and and fight and do the party things there's tons to explore you know and that's yeah. that's the thing if it, if it did blow up tomorrow i'd be like oh i never got to never got to experience that part of it you know? yeah there's just there really is something for absolutely everyone no matter like you said no matter um what what age someone is what their physical abilities are there's something there for everyone and i think that's one of the main things that we've come across with speaking to people is we're like oh we larp now and it's amazing and the main thing i get back from people is oh i don't really want to go fighting and it's like you don't have to there is so much happening and there is so much game and like oliver just said i i would be good if i wouldn't if i wasn't able to experience all the different parts of the game eventually at some point um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. I, yeah i i guess as an organizer you worry that eventually people will run out of bits of the game they want to play no people way. that in my experience <laughs> run out of out of the game at different rates yeah. um but but it goes back to the three things if players want to play it it's making money if it's the best game we can run yeah. um yeah. we've never yeah so you know yeah, we, yeah well, i think empire right. will be around for a very long time to come and, well, and also i'm 51 51 yeah 51 um it took three years to make empire um you gotta yeah. sort of look at the numbers and think hmm, how long are you gonna run this game for matt you know retiring uh, where yeah. you know? it's yeah. like <laughs> i'm quite happy that empire is probably the last game i'm ever gonna yeah play. You, yeah you, and i'm yeah, pretty, I'm pretty you know pretty, pretty sure you want this that. to be your final form you know yeah totally <laughs> exactly yeah. um yeah well i, yeah. I hope that over continues because i've i've had a, we've had a blast and we've robin this last year um it's been, yeah. been, been amazing and we've got this amazing community around it as well you know it's the best community we've it. ever been part of yeah. and yeah it's so it's so mind-blowing especially coming from things such as cosplay and D and things like that to come into a community like this that is welcoming to everyone whether you have been larping for years or whether you have just heard about it it is as welcoming um which is a wonderful experience especially for new people coming in um yeah, yeah. this yeah, yeah. <laughs> i am incredibly proud of the community i think it's and i think you know i, I think a lot about you know it's, I think it's one of the things we miss in real life we are so atomized and you know everything is so corporate and so transactional and we go to work and we earn our money and we come home and one of the things that people miss in real life is a sense of community you yeah. want that sense of people who will support you and help you and you can help them and and it means something and it achieves something and yeah. live role playing gives a community it lets us and sometimes that can be bad people can overstate the value of it mm -hmm. but it gives you something that you can work with and support and be supported by yeah. and and the, the, as you say they're incredibly welcoming to new players yeah um and and that long may that last uh i would obviously as from a business point of view do i want the community to welcome new players that's like a no-brainer yeah but it's also this is still my passion it's my hobby yeah. i'm part of this community I, you know if, if i if, if it wasn't open to new people i'd be like what's wrong with us where, where have we lost our way because you know bringing people into live role playing is is part of the pleasure of yeah. it and and actually your first live role-playing game is amazing. You've never done this before. You've never seen it before. You're just like, oh, 
this is yeah. incredible. But with the best will in the world, those of us who've been doing it 30 years can get pretty fucking cynical and a bit, ah, oh, I've seen it all before. Yeah. And the moment you're cynical, that doesn't work. It doesn't it work. Yeah. yeah. Really like <laughs> you've got to be you've got to be a wide-eyed child staring at this mystical world of wonder. So new players make the game better for everybody yeah. because they breathe that kind of inf- raw, vital enthusiasm and that kind of, they're just clearly spellbound by it. And that makes it magic for everybody else as well. So yeah, actually, I think it's the, the, one of the joys of LARP and one of the reasons I hope that we're so, perhaps one of the reasons we're so welcoming is because I think instinctively we know that like, they will make the game better yeah you know you don't really need skill to larp it's just a game of make-believe you know my my kid was every baby first skill they learn is how to role play they pretend to be shopkeepers or cowboys or but you know kids can role play adults forget that is my that is my view of the world you know humans are born able to role play we just forget how to do it as we get older And once yeah. you get there, there's, so there's no skill involved. It's not like, are oh, you a good role player? You can have a bit of charisma. You can help. You can have a bit of presence and be really good at getting people involved. But fundamentally, there's no skill to it. There's no technical expertise. It's not like tennis where you've got to be able to get the ball back over the net. It, anyone can do it. But what you need is you need that enthusiasm and that passion. And if you yeah. come into it excited and like, oh, my God, I want to do this and I want to do that, yeah. everyone around you their game will be made better by that enthusiasm. So new players make the game better for old players. Yeah. That's my yeah. view. That's wonderful yeah. sentiment from there, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's, good, it's good that you guys are, are, are very much part of your community because that's the thing. I think people, especially new people coming in, like they, they must come in going, oh, well, there's like thousands of people and they must think that you guys are some massive corporate machine when in reality you are a small business that's just me coming from yeah. someone who owns a owns, owns a small business because there's there's not very many of you and you are you are actually a small business it's not i think yeah. people go oh yeah why isn't there this why isn't this and then you get back to them and they're like oh right oh okay and it's just like well yeah it's just it's just a small business yeah. giving a game to people you know yes totally but yeah not at the level where you're just you're just shouting into the ether if you're not happy with something like (laughs) well i do a lot of shouting into the ether but it doesn't do any good yeah Uh, (laughs) but it's it's funny because i've I've seen sometimes things will like happen on on forums or facebook and 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 things like that and then they'll be discussing discussing and then you'll like pop up being like oh hey and then you'll put and then everyone's like oh Oh, all right, we didn't realize Matt. <laughs> Matt, was, Matt was actually looking Always at the stuff. watching. <laughs> uh, we don't want to do a big brother thing, but I do want to be part of the community. Yeah, you, you are, know, yeah. I answer every single email that I'm sent, um, you know, because it's so important to be accessible and available and having conversations. Yeah. You know, I make an effort, a real conscious effort to go to other games and play them and enjoy them because I want to be embedded in the community and just another LARPer for yeah. no other reason than it will make me run better games. Yeah. Um, and I want to run the best games I can. So, but, but LARP works best when you've got that sense of community. Yeah. Nobody wants... It, I'm sure it works well for Disney with their Disney Star Wars experience where, it, it, you know, the best one in the world, it's a corporate thing and you tick your ticket and you get your experience. But but what makes live role playing unique is that's not what is happening. It is a community creating a game together. And And I'm, you know, I never forget two things, first of all. Yes, we're a small company with like half a dozen employees mm-hmm. uh, and we're the least important part of PD. Mm-hmm. right that without a shadow of a doubt you could you could swap us out and and, and the game would carry on mm. the 400 volunteer crew 
yeah. game couldn't happen without them. If we, yeah. they weren't oh, yeah. there, the game would, would die in an instant. Yeah, so sure. they are much more important than us in terms of making it happen. Yeah. And then you've got your players. How good do you think the game would be if you two turned up and you were the only two there? Yeah. It'd be yeah. punk is what it would be. <laughs> it would be a rubbish. <laughs> yeah, we give, give it a good go. Rubbish. <laughs> you give it your best shot. It'd be like, what the fuck is this rubbish? It makes no sense. The game is fundamentally, and that it goes back all the time to Disney. You go and watch the experience. If you were the only person there, it would lack the ambience and the atmosphere, but it would still be fundamentally the same experience. Same you'd product. be going yeah. there, you'd be watching Mickey Mouse do his little Mickey Mouse dance. It'd be the same thing. LARP is fundamentally participatory. The community creates the experience that the community enjoy. So you, the single most important element to everything we do is the players who play the game because they are the people generating the game that everyone plays yeah. you know if if, if 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 the community is wrong in some way and by that i mean is is toxic or isn't welcoming to strangers i don't mean yeah. wrong in a technical sense where they think three plus four is eight i mean wrong in a kind of you know uh morally kind of isn't open and and, yeah. and welcoming and inviting and supportive then that would just fuck the game up yeah. it would just yeah. be a less good game so you know we try to be uh, you know the best custodians we can and and try to be sort of kind of like little leaders in the community are going hey everyone let's do this this is the right thing to do yeah, yeah. and you know you can't always get that right and you don't always get what people well, want and you know well, but we try <laughs> you can't please everyone you yeah. can't please everyone, can't please really everyone can. but i'm glad you're continuing to do it anyway we're we we've we've gone over time um, we have yes yeah we've gone over time well because i know you're busy you've got you've got sites to buy and and plot to Plot to write, I'm, I'm sure, whatever, whatever it is you do over the over the winter time. Make our game great. Thank you very much for coming on, Matt. Um, we will say goodbye to the podcast first. See you everyone. Goodbye. Thank Bye. you. Really enjoy that. Great to chat. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you follow and subscribe so you know when the next episode is going to be posted. If you want to know more about Profound Decisions and Empire, we will put details in the description. Until next time, we love you and stay safe. <laughs>